Namaskar and welcome to NFL Masala. I'm your co-host Anant. And I'm your other co-host Rakshak. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 27 of NFL Masala, where we talk about all the latest happenings in the NFL with a little bit of spice. So today we are going to recap the Thanksgiving week, Week 12, and preview Week 13. Now, the Thursday night game of between the Dallas Cowboys and the Seattle Seahawks has already played, so that will not be one of our Masala games of the week. But we are still going to preview the other games of Week 13. <clears throat> Before we get on with that, let's get some Damakadar news. And uh, first bit of news is regarding Aaron Rodgers. Did you know Aaron Rodgers has now been officially cleared for functional football activity for the Jets practice, but not contact. Huh. So they have 21 days to decide whether or not to activate Aaron Rodgers from injured reserve. And, you know, that, that period uh, expires December 20th. So most likely they're going to wait till the absolute last day to activate Aaron Rodgers from injured reserve, especially because it's three weeks. Who knows what's going to happen in the next three weeks for the for the Jets? You know, right now they're not in a good position. If you look at their standings, they're like uh, I believe they're four and seven. They're and four. at least they're worse than they're at least they're better than the Patriots record wise. Just yes, yes. But in terms of playoffs, right? In terms of playoffs, they're four and seven. And oh, they're long gone. They're eliminated. Right. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is in the next three weeks, if they go on a winning run and let's say they have the Falcons and the Texans and then the Dolphins in the next three weeks. So if they're able to hold down these, you know, next, uh, you know, at least each game to like 20 points and, and maybe, maybe if there's a slimmer of hope uh for for the jets to come back it might be to be second in the afc east and that's because the buffalo bills are six and six and the jets are four and seven but it's like such a small probability like that's when he, he's targeted to coming on um december 24th which is the game that they face um against the washington commanders that's when he's targeting to return but um I don't think he should. A lot of people don't think he should return. Obviously, like he is just 11 weeks ago where he had the um, um, surgery, right? And then 13 weeks since his injury. So it's been, uh, it's been a ride. That's for sure. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, it's it's almost improbable that he returns. Um, and in that case, the Packers will get the second round pick. But I don't know. We'll see. It's just uh, it's, it's just uh, amazing that he has been able to recover this quickly. Um, and you could see the videos. He's It's not like he's running full speed or anything. He's literally hopping for just regular drills. He's literally just hopping on one leg. He can throw the football, that's for sure. And he can put some weight behind his throws. He can drive some of his throws. But it's not like he's dropping 65-yard bombs uh, to Garrett Wilson in practice or anything after like a seven-step drop, right? That's not happening. 
So we'll see. There's still three more weeks until they officially have to clear him or decide whether to bring him off of IR or uh, you know keep him on IR for the rest of the season. But yeah, we shall see. Anyways, what is next? Well, anyways, um, what is next is um, the Cleveland Browns. I, should they should they bring back the factory of sadness? I think they should because right now their QB depth is in hell. And with this, according to Jake Trotter of ESPN on November 29th, the Browns have elevated the le the legend, the veteran himself, Mr. Joe Flacco, as their number two quarterback. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> he makes another comeback. Officially comeback player of the year, right there, Joe Flacco. Oh <laughs> I, I mean, like, I can't even say it with a straight face. Yeah, it's 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 so I, weird. Why can't I finish my sentence? Uh, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, let me try it one more time. Deep breath in, deep breath out. Okay. He'll be behind injured um, starter Dorian Thompson Robinson. That he basically he may start in this game against the Rams. So, um, this is, he and he is going to be the fourth quarterback to start by the Browns this season. And uh, remember, Flacco is thirty eight years old, and he was also a Super Bowl MVP with the Ravens. Um, and unfortunately. Dor Dorian um, Thompson Robinson. He started the previous two games with the Browns, but um, in the last game, he suffered a concussion in that loss. And PJ Walker, who plays Ro um, Thompson Robinson, um, he made he has made two starts this season. But I think the the Browns are going to move forward with Flacco above Robinson, which I completely get. And this is all with Deshaun and. And the and the Browns are in basically quarterback hell, or quarterback nadaka, as I like to say, because with Deshaun Watson fracturing his throwing elbow, um, and and since then the Browns have no quarterbacks like that can throw the ball down the field. So it is uh, so so. There's that. You know who would have been a good backup? Who? Mr. Josh Dobbs. Why did they trade him? Or Mr. Jacoby Brissett. Or Nick Foles. <laughs> Not even. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Or how about Browns. Trey Lance? Might as well give him a shot. Uh, mm, mm, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It, it's <laughs> this Browns organization, dude. I feel so bad for the city of Cleveland. Uh, they don't deserve the factory, the factory of sadness. That's mm -hmm. what they are. They don't deserve this factory of sadness, honestly. But what can we do? All we can do is watch, observe, and move on. Yep. Um, speaking of the AFC North, we have another one. Where uh, this uh, this time it is the Steelers. Oh, and God. this bit of news is regarding uh, one of the worst effort plays we've seen 
in a, the past 15 years by any player in the game, I believe. Definitely a Katsura moment. Basically what happens, um, the Steelers with Kenny Pickett are driving the football and they give a, a run to Jalen Warren. He takes it outside uh, to the left side of the uh, O-line for the Steelers where Deontay Johnson has lined up to block. Unfortunately, what happens, and this is like, a, um, I believe, like a second and short or third and short or something of that nature. And what happens is the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, one of the defensive players, jars the football loose from Jalen Warren. It's a fumble. And instead of diving for that loose ball, which literally hops, skips, and jumps into J uh, Deontay Johnson's field of view, and out of Deontay, uh, and then somebody from the Bengals picks up that loose football and runs it right across Deontay Johnson's face down the sideline for a recovery of like 15 yards. But what happens is instead of actually, you know, diving for the football, Deontay Johnson literally just stands around. He's like, yeah, I don't care. I'm not putting any effort into any of this. I don't give a shit. Like that type of an effort. And that is something that's completely despicable because it's not like Deontay Johnson is the king of the world. He's a mediocre wide receiver two in the NFL, probably the top 50th wide receiver in the NFL. You don't have the right to uh, be to make an effort or a lack of effort like that. And so he was crucified on social media and now he's apologized for his lack of effort. He says, quote, that's not me as a player. One play doesn't define me. Never will. I didn't come up playing football like that. So obviously it looks bad on film from here on out. Just going forward. Just be smart. Keep playing till the whistle blows. But that's like, you don't even have to, you don't even, this is something that you do from like middle school if you play or high school if you play. My God. I have no words. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, it's just a stupid, stupid moment from Deontay Johnson. I mean, he's apologized. At least he's not that arrogant. But yeah, that's it from my side. What about you, Dakshak? Let's end on a good note, shall we? Yes, and I think I had the best note to end it. And um, honestly, I think this is going to be a little bit emotional for me because um, I actually, during my early days as an Eagles fan, especially in the 2006, 2007 and onwards, um, this was one of my favorite wide receivers. Um, on um, Anand, please bear with me on this one. But um, I'm, I think... Damn, I'm already getting the feels on this one because um, on November 29th, um, and yes, and technically yesterday, former Pro Bowl wide receiver and one of the greatest wide receivers and biggest deep threats, Deshaun Jackson, retired on Friday as a Philadelphia Eagle, the team where he was drafted. And he's going to be an honorary captain for Sunday's game against the San Francisco 49ers at the link. And um, what can I say about Deshaun Jackson, man? Um, back when I was an early Eagles fan, um, Anand, like, I liked Donovan McNabb. I liked the Eagles defense and the running backs when they had Deuce Staley, when they had Brian Westbrook. 
But the one thing that always plagued us was the wide receivers. We could not depend on guys like James Thrash, Greg Lewis. Um, remember 4th and 26 for you Packers fans? McNabb throws it to a Freddie Mitchell. Uh, I mean, but still, it was bad. Like, we had no wide receivers. Even Todd Pinkston, who I jokingly called him Todd Stinkston, even though we had Terrell Owens, it only lasted for, like, what, two years and then because of the bad blood. And then in the second round of um, the Eagles, trade um, grabbed this young kid, this wide receiver from UC Berkeley, who was a great special teams player as well in kick returns and punt returns. Mr. Deshaun Jackson, number 10. I mean, he played eight of his 15 years with the Eagles, three Pro Bowl nods, and he was a receiver and returner. And um, and he made miraculous plays look routine. This is a quote from Jeffrey Lurie. And, you will, and there's one game that brings into mind. Anant, I don't know if you remember this, but you know what I'm referring to. The Miracle at the New Meadowlands. Mm -hmm. December mm -hmm. 9, 2010, the Eagles were down 31 to 10 to the New York Giants. Then all of a sudden, in the second and the fourth, or like in the uh, 31 to 10 in the fourth quarter. And apparently, the Eagles make play after play. Like, I remember Michael Vick throwing touchdown passes to Jeremy Macklin, Brent Selleck, rushing one for a touchdown, and David Akers like actually hitting one of those onside kicks and then 12 seconds left after they stop they they force a three and out from the giants the giants punt the ball with 12 seconds left and guess who the ball goes towards mr deshaun jackson who returns it 65 yards for a after fumbling after, after fumbling, fumbling. The pick. Yeah. yeah he picks it up and he runs it straight and I was like, oh my God. The I first remember. Time, like, the reason why there was like a second mirror, the first one, like when the Giants originally played, it was called the original Meadowland Stadium. And apparently, and the, of course, the Giants were beating the Eagles by like one touch, by like a score or something. However, when they tried to run the ball with a few seconds left on fourth down in the fourth quarter, they fumbled the snap and Herm Edwards, who was an Eagle back then, recovers the fumble and runs it for a touchdown. That is called the, the miracle of the Meadowlands, the first one. And that is why we have a QB kneel down because of that play itself. And like, of course, uh, and unfortunately he was let go in 2015. Um, Deshaun Jackson was unfortunately let go by, by freaking Chip Kelly, along with LaShawn McCoy. I will never un understand why. I mean, no, you Deshaun know why? Why? Because you want to get no, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Because of uh, Deshaun Jackson's quote unquote alleged, uh, or actually alleged yeah, quote gangs, unquote gang ties. The gang, alleged gang yeah. ties, which is so goddamn stupid. I yeah. was really pissed. I was really hurt about it. And um, he made us pay whenever we faced off against him. When he played for the Washington Redskins back in the day, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, luckily, he did not play play when he was with Baltimore and the Vegas Ra Baltimore Ravens, the Vegas Raiders, and of course the LA Rams. He did appear in seven games with the Rams, and although he wasn't in the team with the playoffs, he was basically given a Super Bowl ring. And um, mm -hmm. I mean, like you know what, Deshaun Jackson should have had he have been with the Eagles for the entire bit of his career, man. Um, I think he would have won a you would have helped us win a ring. 
with the yeah, Eagles. Yeah, he would have helped you guys win the 2017 ring. Yeah. Just a few years after he was let go. And, yeah, definitely. And apparently, he when, um, and, and this was a crazy notion like what I just saw. And apparently, um, back in, 2010, in 2020, um, he, uh, when he was asked about his time in Philly when Jalen Hurts became our QB, he said that, um, he, he said this and I quote, I was lobbying for Jalen Hurts back when we had Carson Wentz st starting at that time when everyone was like, why would we pick Jalen Hurts in the second round? And apparently, um, he was sitting back with Howie Roseman and Elshon Jeffrey. He was watching Hurts play, make some QB plays, like when he was what, like when Hurts was the backup going against the starting defense. Jackson said that he went to Howie Roseman and he said that he knew Hurts was going to be special. And also, Hurts went to Tampa to train with Jackson back in 2020. And when with the wide receiver noting people wondering why Wentz wasn't training with them, and I mean. He had foresight, man. I, um, mm -hmm. I, 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 I missed number 10 already, man. Um, I know, I know. I feel you. Um, yeah, I mean, you as an Eagles fan, obviously, th this is, you know, this is right as a core memory for you. But I also, you know, used to watch Deshaun Jackson. And I have a poster of Deshaun Jackson um, in, at my, um, in my house. Um, because I grew up in New Jersey. I lived about an hour and a half away from Philadelphia. So, you know, I used to watch Michael Vick and Shady McCoy and Deshaun Jackson, oh, like that trio, uh, you know, way back in like 2011, 2012. Like those were, I, those were some highlight real, uh, memories for me. You know, I used to just, you know, go out into the backyard. One of my neighbors, the 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 neighbor who actually taught me football, he was a high school quarterback um, at a local high school. And so he was the one who, you know, he used to play that. I used to play wide receiver. I used to play like Deshaun Jackson. Obviously, I was not fast enough like him, but I used to play like him. We used to play against uh, each other and like uh, as part of our neighbors as a whole group. But I remember watching Deshaun Jackson. Uh, just making those insane deep bomb uh, plays, and you know it's um, it is good for him that he has retired on a positive note. I believe he's like second or third in terms of receiving yards for the Eagles, right? I uh, I, I don't honestly, know. I honestly don't know, but I think I remember one time he led. He had he was the Eagles. Um, leading rookie record for like the most yards or something like that in a rookie season. Right. And apparently it was broken by Devonte Smith, but um, ah. I, that's, I mean, that's what I believe or think, but um, I remember. So it says here he has 11,263 career receiving yards. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly think he's a hall of fame worthy thing. Oh like, yes. Yes. He is hall of fame worthy. I, I do believe so on that one. Um, not only as a receiver, but maybe even as a uh, punt or kick returner because he has four re return touchdowns and 1,352 return yards. Right. So, you know, he is three time Pro Bowler, two time first team All American. Or when in his college, he was also second team All Pro in the, um, in the league. So, you know, he has been one of the most prolific deep threats and wide receivers overall 
in you know the 21st century in in the past um 20 years you put him up in the league of you know megatron and um and others like them just, like Des julio Bryant. jones des, des bryant to, Man, the to battles, a certain degree. the battles that i remember like with the eagles and the cowboys um the cowboys would try be have try and stop des bryant and mm -hmm. um, they would try and stop Deshaun Jackson. Man, mm -hmm. oh man, that was um, those battles were legendary. Yep, yep. All righty. Well, that is definitely a positive uh, note, uh, kind of like a bittersweet note at that point. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the week 12 recap, uh, starting with the one and only victorious. Green Bay Packers against <laughs> the Detroit Lions. We beat them 29-22 and that last touchdown didn't even count because it was it was scored like 4 minutes left in the end of the game and it was basically garbage time. So we beat them 29-14. That is what I will accept as a Packers fan. And boy, was this a miraculous victory. Because guess what? We what? had 17 players on our injury report going into this game. Oh, my God. Eight starters were not playing. Oh, man. Our entire secondary was backups. Entire secondary. Three quarterbacks, two safeties, all backups. Due to various reasons. But several things fell into place for our victory here. Jordan Love and the entire Packers organization's piss was running hot. Lions were playing on Thanksgiving. And they were also playing on a waxing gibbous moon phase day. Okay, they yeah. I, I, I need to figure that out. What's those, what is about this moon thing? You got to tell me about this. I will. They are 0 and 12 when playing on a waxing gibbous moon phase day. Oh my god. They have the never won. <laughs> oh man. This is the I same organization that's 0 and 16 on Thanksgiving. Oh, Thanksgiving and the moon. <laughs> Praise the moon. Uh, Chandra Dev. Praise the moon. Oh, my God. Thanks I, I, to Tom Grassi. Oh, man. I just can't. I cannot believe it. <laughs> the Lions are so bad against the moon. <laughs> they hate the moon. They hate the moon. They are grew to the moon. Oh, they man. want to, you know, shrink the moon down and destroy it. But, you know, in all seriousness, the Packers' motto for this game was be aggressive, right? We win the toss and we elect to receive the ball. Not many people, you know, that's going against the grain these days for NFL teams. Most likely, normally, teams will, you know, elect to kick the ball to the other team if they win the toss and defer. 
right, for the second half. But no, 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 no. Matt LaFleur was like, no, we are going to receive the ball. And the first play of the game was a deep bomb that would have been a touchdown if Love threw it a second earlier. But nonetheless, a deep bomb completed to Christian Watson for 53 yards. First play of the game. A 53-yard bomb to Christian Watson, who actually showed up and he was like, all right, I'm the number one receiver here. He went up and made that contested catch between two uh, uh, Lions defenders. One, uh, Jerry Jacobs, I believe, and the other one being a safety. And then two plays later, the Packers attack the soft secondary that the Lions have and Jordan Love with the best pass all season throws into a keyhole smaller than anything uh, Patrick Mahomes has thrown into between two Lions defenders that somehow went to Jaden Reed who caught that ball and ran in for a touchdown. And now there is some breaking Damakedar news. Right oh. now, the Big 12 championship in college football has been going on between the University of Texas, Hook'em Longhorns, and the Oklahoma State uh, University Cowboys. Right now, the Longhorns have won. The Longhorns have... Yeah, I heard you the first time, Anand. The Longhorns have won. 49-21. They are now the Big 12 champion one you know the year the last year that they're going to be in the big 12 next year they're going to move on to the sec and now we have a shot at making the college football playoffs for the first time since 2009 come on georgia please win nope nope i need nope. georgia to win so the eagles can draft more of their defensive stars you're still gonna draft more of georgia whether or not they win no, Georgia's going to win. Come on, Bulldogs. Let's get this going. Let's keep UT out of the uh, – keep UT or TU no. out of the no, college football no, playoffs. No, 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 There's do, no way. Do it they, for America. There is no way. Do it for America. There is no way we I, are not in the playoffs. That's it, Anand. You have, you have done it. And now I am bringing back the infamous Ruksha curse. You haven't <laughs> – Spart my wrath. The long go ahead. The, the first long time the Ruksha curse will not be useful. It guess what? The Longhorns will not make it to the college football playoffs this year nor next year. Boom. Okay. I just said okay. it. Okay. We'll see. We shall see. Anyways, let's get back to the Packers versus Lions. So first, <laughs> the offense on the first drive. Brilliant brilliant performance, and then the defense came to play. I don't know what was said in those defensive meetings, dude, but damn, on a short week in enemy territory with, as I mentioned before, our entire secondary being out, our defense said, no, we will hunt down these lions and we will exterminate this entire pride and exterminate they did. Rashawn Gary Three sacks, two forced fumbles, one year after he tore his ACL on the same field. 
and you know a little bit of a good moment that happened in the post-match locker room um during matt lafleur's speech he gave uh one of the game balls to uh rashawn gary and rashawn gary uh a note to all uh fans out there he is the emotional center of the defense and he started crying i'm done crying around y'all mfers so it was like a great moment because he truly earned that game ball. He was a one-man wrecking crew for this Green Bay Packers defense against one of the best offensive lines in the league. And he was like, no, 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 no. You got to face Rashawn Gary. And Rashawn Gary turned that Lions offensive line into a turnstile. Um, and then one more shout out to Jonathan Owens, 12 tackles, one tackle for loss and the fumble recovered for a touchdown off of Rashawn Gary, uh, who created that forced fumble. Jonathan Owens recovered it, took it all the way back for a touchdown. So then another shout out, Anthony Johnson Jr., a seventh round rookie safety had a huge hit to dislodge and uh, force an incompletion on a pass so he has that one pbu and he had eight tackles also and then last but not least quay walker with one of the best performances that he's had this season 44 percent completion percentage allowed and 51.6 passer rating allowed when directly targeted and this time we only allowed 14 points minus that garbage time touchdown in fourth quarter all in all this has been the best defensive performance on the entire season. 20 pressures on 44 dropbacks for uh, Jared Goff. Nearly 50% pressure rate on arguably the best O-line in the league. This was a massive performance by the Green Bay defensive line. Massive. Now, not only did the Green Bay defense help the offense the offense played complementary football they remained aggressive they scored 20 points in the first quarter 20 points back to back three touchdown game for jordan love now yes they still had some missed plays that led to a field goal um there needed to be some better execution love still needs to be a little bit more consistent with his footwork and rhythm and this was broken down brilliantly by JT O'Sullivan at the QB School. It's a YouTube channel. If you especially want to learn about how QBs operate, how they read defenses, how uh, you know, you know how they operate in an NFL offense, definitely go watch his YouTube channel. He's an excellent, excellent uh, breaker downer of um, of QB play. Anyways, excellent performance by J Lo though. 22 of 32, 268 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks, 125.5 passer rating, and a plus 7.3% CPOE, which is the highest this season for Jordan Love. And in terms of tight window throws, five of seven for 65 yards, one touchdown, zero picks. Basically perfect. And also, according to PFF, 35.7% of Jordan Love's passes against the Lions were charted as having perfect ball location. So it's not like the wide receivers were the one that were making most of these plays. Nearly 36% of the time, Jordan Love was throwing it pinpoint accurately. Season high for him. 
And then against Pat, uh, play action, Jordan Love was 6 for 7 for 127 yards and 158.3 passer rating at the half on play action passing. So this wow. was by far his best performance. Mm-hmm. I'll, I mean, 100% I agree with you, man. And when I was watching some of the highlights, oh my God, Jordan Love, hell of a performance. I think the next step, it has to be the consistency for any, like for coming off of a great game like this. He, I mean, um, I mean, like if he can develop that consistency, I mean, I, I would not be surprised if they signed Jordan Love to a long-term contract. And I actually oh, yeah. have some, and I actually have breaking the Makedar news. Okay. Um, although this is out, this is recording to, according to Jeremy Fowler, um, five hours ago, um, Panthers are going to be activating former eighth overall pick JC Horn. He has not played since week one. Okay. Much needed defensive help for the Panthers. Um, especially, you know, Jira Evero, he's going to be definitely coaching up these, uh, young CBs and make them into better, uh, players like he did for, you know, the Broncos. Mm -hmm. So, you know, very much, very much uh, necessary improvement for the um, for the Panthers, at least one of the bright spots for them. But yeah, getting back to this game, a breakout performance by Christian Watson. He was perfect in terms of uh, in terms of when targeted 158.3 passer rating. Versus the Lions, he had five receptions on seven uh, on seven attempts, ninety four yards, including that fifty three yard play, one touchdown, um, and an average of seventeen point two per reception. So that was a perfect performance by Christian Watson. And last but not least, the O line against this pretty stacked uh, Lions D line did a fantastic job. Especially Zach Tom, who's a sixth or seventh round second year player, versus Aiden Hutchinson. Just two pressures allowed. Two pressures allowed from Zach Tom. Damn. And he was going one on one. It's not like he was getting consistent chip help. Most of the time, Zach Tom was going one on one against Aiden Hutchinson, and just two pressures allowed on Jordan Love. So now. After this excellent win, we're going into December. And one thing to keep track of, Coach LaFleur is 15-0 and in December in his entire career. 15-0. Let's go. Praise the moon. That's all I got. Hail to the moon, man. Hail to the moon. By the way, I was so when I saw like uh, like honestly on it like when I was watching some parts of the game and the highlights, I don't get why Jared Goff they're going on for fourth and two, fourth and one, especially when they're behind their own. I know that they want to be aggressive, but punt! You that gotta punt. punt. That fake it, punt. It was stupid. Yeah. Why yeah. would you go for it, especially early in the first half? I know you wanted to get momentum, but that is questionable play calling. I'm I'm gonna mm -hmm. call it out as it is. Very much so. They were 0 and five on fourth down. 0 for five. 0 for five. You know what you, you know what I would have done on a fourth and one or fourth and two. 
Yeah, it's it's not just fourth and one, fourth and two where you could do the tush push, right? Yeah. It was fourth and five, fourth and seven, and some oh, and I think oh. one of them was fourth and ten okay. where they went for it. If it if it's so, early, if it's early in the first half and you're trying to go for it on a fourth and five, I admire the aggressiveness, but come on, play it safe, take the punt, and give your defense a better chance to like defend the field. Packers took advantage of it. When I saw this game, I was like, oh my god. Uh, I I need to I I want to FaceTime Anand so I could see his happy face, man. You deserve happiness, and you got your happiness. I'm happy. Thank you. Now you're this gonna be the happy one discussing are. this next game. <laughs> oh my god, dude! I'm calling this game of this year. This Definitely was a game of Definitely. the year. And holy crap! Both teams slugging out on nearly every single possession in the rain. And in Philadelphia, I mean, oh my God, I was hyperventilating. I had, I was basically following this Eagles meme that I see. It's a picture of the Eagles logo, but it has three parts. The first part, oh yay, I'm happy to see my football team. Second part, which is the majority of the Eagles logo, I'm going to kill myself after seeing all of this. And then at the end, nice, we won. Literally, this meme. This was the thing that I saw. And where to begin? Where to freaking begin? The Eagles' offense, literally a tale of two halves. You could not have scripted any further. I mean, the Eagles only put up seven points in the first half, and they committed two turnovers, which led to 14 points. Um, and if I wanted to talk, go into a, a breakdown of play-by-play, play, after three punts, Eagles score a touchdown. Then the Bills score a field goal. Then Jalen Hurts throws a bad pick, um, and, he try, and he tries to intend it for Jack Stoll. When you know that there's a blitz coming by Leonard Floyd, tip, he tips it with his hands wide open. Tips it, and... And it's caught by Terrell Bernard. I mean, great recognition of the play. But why are you throwing the ball at a blitzing rusher who has his hands up to defend the ball to a corner, to, def to deflect the ball to a corner? It was stupid. I, I didn't get that play call. Um, and then with that short field, the Bills, um, they were able to score a touchdown. Then punt, 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 missed field goal. Then a fumble. And, and, and I got to talk about this fumble. Jalen Hurts, uh, this was at first and 10 at the Philly 39. You're trying to run. You're basically, this is basically like an, a run pass option. This is like an, a run pass option play. You're trying to hit over the ball to freaking Kenny Gainwell. And because of that, because of trying to board which from which, you're, you're fumbling the ball at the 39 with less than a minute to go in the second quarter. And it's required by Buffalo's Gregory Rousseau. Congratulations on that. And and they score a touchdown. And, and uh, it, this stuff like this really frustrates me. Jalen Hurts in the first half, he was 4 for 11 with 33 yards of passing, one zero touchdown, one interception with a 7.0 passer rating. I mean, what's but he had seven rushes for seven rushes for 22 rushing yards, one touchdown, the tush push, and a fumble. But I did not know what I was watching. I was freaking out. The defense 
for some odd reason, could not stop Josh Allen. And I mean, every time they tried to bring the blitz on Josh Allen, he was able to bail it out with his legs. I mean, especially on third downs. They the Bills were 13 for 22 on third down uh, on like nearly third and long situations. And that's what kind of frustrated me. And then of course there was some blatant ref ball, but in the second half, oh my freaking god, what a turnaround by the Eagle, by this Eagles offense. Brian Johnson started thinking properly and said, Hey, let's get the run game going. They were digging into the field. Like you got to rely on your Eagles offensive line to like help lead the way. And my God, did they do that? Dion, I mean, starting with the run game with DeAndre Swift, the run game and the pass game, it was so much fun to watch. I mean, of course, like they, they weren't doing spectacular things like deep bombs um, and insane long run plays, but the small chunks of yards, death by a thousand paper cuts. Um, I mean, Hertz literally rebounded and carried this offense on his back. I think this was like an MVP like stat. This was like an MVP like game for Jalen Hurts. And one and another thing that we and especially during the rain, like one and 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 of course, like in the beginning of the game. There was um there there was a huge report that um that Lane Johnson, our our right tackle, was going to be out was out because he apparently um aggravated a scar tissue from a from a groin injury that he suffered like from last year, and unfortunately he didn't play. So Jack still so um so basically um, Jack Driscoll t- took over. And my feelings about Jack Driscoll is not something new. I thought like. Jack Driscoll's weak and all that, but apparently he only allowed first pressure. And Jack Driscoll, he allowed just one pressure and 39 pass blocking snaps against the Bills, according to PFF. This was from Jeff McLean. Of course, run blocking wasn't a strong, but he came up huge against his Bills rushing, this Bills pass rush. I mean, this was, and which was like on the first play, um, Eagles offensive line, they appeared to be mainly inside uh, and on that one one pressure alone the um basically the eagles o-line they didn't appear to be in that slide protection cam jurgens didn't get or to help in that inside rush so driscoll played extremely well and i'm i'm just so happy they stepped up but my god mvp like stats for jalen hurts he put the team on his back and won this game and um a couple of highlights i want to talk about aj brown he was being limited by a bunch of good coverages. I thought they, I thought the Eagles will try and target him. They, which I mean, which they did. However, um, Bills playing a lot. Bills playing a mixed mix of tight and tight coverage and man and man and zone. Um, AJ Brown. He was targeted nine times. He had five receptions for thirty-seven yards and a touchdown, especially in the second half. One by Swole Batman. But I honestly thought with AJ Brown being limited, Devon. Um, don't forget, we have another person, and his name is Skinny Batman. Devontae Smith took over this game. He uh, he stepped up. S- huge performance with great, spectacular catches, and, and uh, along with Yak, yards after completion, and with a touchdown. His last four games, he has stepped up. And um, I was pulling this 
these stats like um from the from like week eight through week 12 um thanks to bleeding green nation and also um philly voice two great two great um two great sources for eagles football um like Devonte smith week eight he was he was seven for seven 99 yards and a touchdown week nine three targets three receptions 51 yards and a touchdown week 11 Eight targets, six receptions, ninety-nine yards. Unfortunately, in those past three games that Smith has been playing, has been balling out well. He didn't have hundred. He was so close to the hundred receiving yards. I'm like, damn, is he gonna get it? Week twelve, eight targets, seven receptions, hundred and six yards, and one freaking touchdown. My God, I mean, Devonte Smith make. He is such an excellent route runner, and his speed is just insane to watch. I mean, Anand, like that the second half Eagles offense was literally day and night or light and day. Why don't they do that in the first half? That's literally my whole freaking points. problem. Why doesn't our offensive coordinator Brian Johnson play a consistent game? I I I don't think my in health insurance covers coming back from the second half. You cannot do. That. I mean, of course he got to. I mean, if you win ugly, you got to play ugly, right? But come on, it was even more shocking. You don't throw screens to Julio Jones. Why are you doing this? Yinada. Yep. But yep. when the run game is used properly. Good things happen. I mean, DeAndre Swift setting those late long runs led the Eagles to scoring to potential scoring drives. And um, and I'm gonna talk about this one thing. And bro, I have a masala, and you know what? I have to um and I have a spoiler for you, Anand. I was really, really um tied. I'm talking about like game like masala moments of the of the week, right? Mm-hmm. I and with this, I have to. T uh, I mean, uh, 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 it's between two plays, which I'll bring up pretty soon. But um, uh, but on the Eagle side, I mean, Sean Desai was really put into a tough position to try and stop this Bills offense. They the Bills had 505 yards of offense that game. Jo I think this was Josh Allen's best performance overall 29 for 51 339 yards two touchdowns one interception he was sacked once and oh my god dude his ability to not get down and escape i, I mean there's nothing you can do right like he's so he's so difficult to, to take him to take down but i still call him a coward for when he was trying to get sacked by hassan reddick some people say it's a horse collar and um, but apparently it was a horse collar. I, I mean, yeah, the refs did miss that one, but um, apparently he asked to take the intentional grounding because he did not want to take a sack. You are a freaking coward, Alan. Get Reddick the sack. <laughs> That's all. I'm wow, say. come on. Get Reddick the sack, you coward. <laughs> you can't be that much of a homeboy. I am, uh, bro. I'm an Eagles genre, man. I have no sense of rationality. <laughs> you understand that? That's fair. Okay, but um, 
but apparently one stat that I did see, um, this is according to like the Eagles, um, according to Bleeding Green Nation, uh, like, of course, Sean Desai's defense gave up 505 yards of offense. But however, they only are allowed 5.5 yards per play. The Bills usually go at the 6.0. Um, the Bills usually average six yards per six yards per play in a game. And um, oh my, and like this defense, they made some huge plays, especially in overtime. And boy, and, but before we do that, I want to give a shout out to and my if I had a defensive lineman for the Eagles that I had to like, two things. Um, Brandon Graham, all he is now the all-time leader. Eagles leader in appear in game appearances. 189 games played a uh, starting play for Brandon Graham. Congratulations. And he had that crucial sack on fourth down in the in the fourth quarter. And oh my God, Jay, Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. Did you see Georgia play this game, man? And mm-hmm. I did not see. Did you see Jalen? Did you see Jordan Davis cha- tried to chase yep. Josh Allen? That's oh, oh my insane. god! <laughs> I mean, but then of course, like our linebackers, they were bad. Um, Zach Cunningham left the game um, with a with a bad hamstring, and so we were down to Nicholas Morrow and Christian Ellis, of course, and our corners. Um, Darius Slay and James Bradbury, they did held up on their own. Bradbury had, um, he had the timely interception to set up a, a beautiful Eagles touchdown to take the lead 2024. Um, but, but I think like, um, we have to talk about this overtime play when Josh Allen, he's dry, their drive. It's a, it's a third down. Um, you gotta help me out. Um, Anand, I need your expertise on this one. You gotta help me out on this play. So they go third and six. Um, at the Philly 22, Josh Allen, he, I mean, I found out that the Eagles went on a, they went a cover zero blitz. I think they actually pull off a blitz and they're depending okay, let's see if we could pull off man to man coverage, man had job, had Gabe Davis turned around. That would have been game over. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, that was one of the biggest shocking moments of that game was the easy easy game winning touchdown that was just miscommunicated on and this this goes back to the fact that you know bills are still looking at a reliable number two wide receiver besides uh stefan diggs and you know when gabe davis is doing stuff like this it really makes you wonder, do they go out and get another wide receiver, someone like a T. Higgins in the offseason if the Bengals don't resign? Or, you know, maybe they make a push for Michael Pittman Jr. I mean, that would have been a fun matchup with Michael Pittman oh, Jr., Stefan yeah. Diggs, Josh Allen, uh, Dalton Kincaid. Like, that would be a nice trio to have there. Uh, but, yeah, no, it just goes back to that fact. Um, Gabe Davis, he's just not consistent enough for a wide receiver two position. I mean, like this is shocking because Gabe Davis led the led the Bills receiving core. He had like six receptions. He added twelve targets, six receptions, hundred and five yards, and a touchdown. Stefan Diggs, um, out of eleven targets, six receptions, seventy four yards, and a touchdown. I mean, honestly, in plays like this, Stefan Diggs sh- would be the best one to like win you games like this. And then, of course, um, James. I mean, James Cook. They they did their best. Josh Allen just burned us in the rushing game. Um, I mean, that, I mean, like. He like all those QB draws that killed us every time. 
finding ways to escape and scoring a touchdown. I'm like, oh my God, can we stop Josh Allen? And um, but that but we gotta talk, but we gotta walk through this, man. The final drive in the fourth quarter to take us to overtime by the Eagles, man. Uh, like, uh, um, this is with a, like basically a two minute drill. Jalen Hurts, they're, they're like Jalen Hurts is running. Devonte Smith is making great catches, but then all of a sudden, false start. Like Jason Kelsey commits a false start, which is really rare on a first and ten. Then it becomes first and fifteen at the Buffalo thirty-nine. And then first and fifteen, Hertz is technically sacked, but apparently I thought it was like a fumble, but it's ruled by an incomplete pass to Julio Jones. And I'm like, oh God, what the hell is going on? Second and fifteen with thirty five seconds left. Hertz runs up for three yards, and of course he had to call a timeout. They call their final timeout. Third and and third third and thirteen. You want to know what happens next on month? False start by Jason Kelsey again. And Buffalo then calls a timeout on the third and 17. And Jalen Hurts throws an incomplete pass to A.J. Brown, which I thought like had he, and it, it appear, almost appeared to be a fumble, but apparently it was ruled um, an incomplete pass. But fourth and 17, Jake Elliott in the middle of the rain, 59-yard field goal. And he was named NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. He freaking tied the weather in bad weather. Put some goddamn respect in his name. And apparently the Eagles are top five in DBO in special teams. Which I thought, which last year it was a curse for us. This year, we're apparently doing good. It makes no sense whatsoever, Anand. It makes no freaking sense. And which is why... I got to talk about this play after James. Um, and this was like after the, the James Bradbury intercepted third and 15 Anand, you know what I'm talking about. And I have de decided to declare this thing, the masala moment of the week. Anand, this is my spoiler. This is my masala moment of the week. Go ahead. Third and 15 at the Buffalo 29 with 11 minutes to go in the fourth quarter after like the Eagles, like the after Eagles got the interception, I'm much needed by James Bradbury. Jalen Hurts, he's scrambling, right? He's moving out to left. The play's breaking down. Throws a 29-yard pass in the middle of double, triple coverage. Guess who catches it? Olamide Zacchaeus. Oz with Mosses over two guys. That, I was like, how the hell did he catch that, right? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I mean, like, this game literally took my soul and my life away, honestly. Uh, you could be looking at a 62-year-old Rukshuk watching this game. <laughs> I love... Holy gray hair go, uh, growing in the back. Yeah, probably. I think um, that's why I shaved it. I probably... I mean, I mean, I had like a gray mustache, but I shaved that thing up because no shave November has already gone past my man. <laughs> but, oh my God. Uh... What a freaking gutsy win by the Eagles, man. 37 to 34.
it was not pretty the first half and the second half we're able to freaking win games man and but yep. one thing that blew my mind man the penalties holy crap oh the buffalo was 11 for 80. they they literally outgained us the, the buffalo had 92 yards of total plays they had 92 total plays 13 for 22 on third down they had 505 yards of total offense and they were plus one in the turnover battle i mean they threw in they did throw an intercept yeah they they were plus one they held the ball for more for 40 minutes and they still lost baby situational football it was not a good game by the eagles like in the first half but damn it we got that dub that makes us so freaking battle tested man and i love this effing team let's go any thoughts about this game before we move on like you said this was the game of the year and scooter magruder in clickbait was already like you know, the Eagles, they just keep winning by the barest of margins. Are they even actually a good team? Are they actually, you know, are they they're the worst 10 and 1 team ever? He just went on to cope more and more and more and use that copium uh that you know Dallas Cowboys fans feed on. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, going back to this game, it was the best game of the year so far and i don't think anybody else can doubt that uh this was as close as it can get uh to a playoff matchup to you know what would have been a, a super bowl matchup if things would have gone well for the bills but um yeah no that was it was an excellent game and you know jalen hurts as as a qb phenomenal i think he is in the lead with total touchdowns i believe uh with like 29 or 30 total touchdowns or something like that mm -hmm. um but yeah really really good game exciting to watch finally a prime time game that's exciting to watch um and yeah so that's it for us we're gonna move on to the masala games of the week segment and for me that's going to be the Ravens versus the Chargers. I think your curse has finally hit me now. Because it was a, a another week, another chargering. I, I seriously wonder how many Chargers fans still exist, dude. Ravens won 20 to 10. We need to do a case study. We actually need to do a case study. Depression rates amongst Charger fans. What I mean versus that yeah. of Bears and Panthers. Yeah, but I like honestly. Um, before we, before we talk about this game, like uh, um, funny story is like was that um, I I um, as I was telling um last week um to Anand and Cam and our guest house our guest Cameron, I actually went to Philly for this for the Eagles and Bills game. Unfortunately, um, because I didn't have tickets. I went to the live casino, live um, the casino in Philly, which is like close to Infinity Live, 
I think it's like a 10 minute walk and oh my God, the place was roaring. I was doing dance breaks with a bad finger and a bad elbow, but I'm never going to forget that night. And I want to give a shout out to Ryan Hall um, and the Eagles fans in Albany for get, for inviting me to join on this one. But yes, um, I do apologize for this. Um, go ahead. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, this was... Yeah, I... <laughs> Even though the Chargers defense tried, right? They tried. They held the Ravens to just two touchdown drives um, and 20 points total. And that means the Chargers should have put up, you know, at least 20 points. Right. Yeah, Helen Moore. He's a he's his offensive genius that you got. Right. Where the hell did he go? into oblivion because this Chargers offense just crapped the bed again. 10 points total scored, one interception, three fumbles lost, four total turnovers, and the last two drives were turnover on downs. If oh. I'm just going to, you know, read out this drive chart for the Chargers. Okay. Oh God. Go ahead. They had 11 offensive drives this game okay. 10 total uh 10 total points right so two scoring drives out of 11 that's 23 percent. that's it oh god here are those drives first drive field goal then punt punt fumble fumble interception punt fumble oh no seven <laughs> drives oh no Four turnovers, three punts. Oh. Two three and outs. Oh my God. Why? Then was a touchdown drive. And then they had about four, three minutes left. So the last two drives were both turnover on downs. Six plays, 10 yards, five plays, 12 net yards. I mean, oh, I had to refresh the screen to, to see if this was true. My God, Dude, like uh, this was and this that too, like the Chargers were playing in their throwback uniforms, like the old school San Diego oh! Chargers uniforms with and LP and Philip Rivers. Team? Yeah. And Junior Seau, God rest his yep. soul. Yep. And LT. The dark blue with the yellow lightning bolt. That I was. Dark, I like the the dark blue helmets with the lightning yellow bolt. Those yeah. were badass. Yeah. And now they're in this. And I'm sorry, they're in a sh uh, in a crappy place in LA, sharing it with the um, thing. Man, the this just, yeah. they should have stayed in San Diego. I don't know what to tell you, man. I don't think that would have solved the curse of the Chargers. Because honestly, like this one was just a pathetic game to watch. And it's not like the Ravens were just out there scoring touchdowns every single drive. They just scored two touchdowns. Plus, they missed a field goal from Justin Tucker. Just a 44-yard field goal. So this could have been a worse score. Oh, my God. This Chargers defense was actually performing well. And from the Ravens side, as mentioned, it's not like this was the Ravens' best performance ever, right? Both defensively and offensively. Lamar was average 
average QB performance. 18 of 32, 177 yards passing. One touchdown, zero picks, 82.4 passer rating, plus 11 rushing attempts for 39 yards. Keaton Mitchell, uh, only nine rushing attempts for 64 yards, no touchdowns. There was one touchdown by Zay Flower, a rushing touchdown that was like an end around. Um, and a couple of drops for the Ravens. So not their best performance. And definitely it didn't allow us to learn anything new about either teams. <laughs> it's the same old, same old Chargers, the most overrated, cursed team in the league, and the Ravens, the most inconsistent team in the AFC. Hey, congratulations to Zay Flowers, man. Yeah, did you see yeah. his um did you see his two yeah, touchdown yeah. celebration? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the I was like, what the hell was that? It was a bouquet of flowers at her wedding reception. He was tossing the bouquet of flowers back to to the other uh players who were there. Uh, yeah. As part of the celebration, but Lamar had none of it. He was like, "Nah, this is stupid. Why? Why the hell are you doing it?" Like, but the second stopped. one was better—a penalty kick. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah he, the second one was like an attempted penalty kick, and I thought that was like that was glorious. That's like much, much better. Mm -hmm. Work on it for a bit, and um, yeah, congrats to Zay Flowers. Yeah, yeah. All righty, your game. I think the curse is broken. I think the curse is what broken. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? We you swapped the curse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Jags 24, Texans 21. I This is pretty entertaining. Um, this is a pretty entertaining AFC South battle. And, of course, we apparently had some breath ball to, begin, to have some. And um, if I'm looking at penalties, Jags had six penalties for 35 yards. Texas had seven penalties for 49 yards. So I don't know if you call it rough ball, but it looked kind of even though. But then again, that's what makes No, they missed a lot of calls. Yeah. That's so, I, I, yeah. So it had to be rough ball. It was like rough ball or let the kids play. It's up to you, NFL. It's, no, it's up to you, NFL Masala fans. But I thought both offenses, they had some good, they were pretty good. Um, they were consistent, but I think defense was like really, really dominant. And especially with the Jaguars trying to stop a three-game winning streak committed by the by the Texans. Um, Trevor Lawrence, have yourself a freaking day. 73, and this is according to to um PFF. Um and, and on that week, on that week week, on that um in that game, on that recap, um, this is crazy. Trevor Lawrence, he finished with a 73% adjusted completion rate. He got out of the balls, the, the got the ball out of his hands quickly, averaging 2.3 seconds per drop back. That is freaking insane. Um and a notion. He was 23 for 38, 364 yards of passing, 9.6 yards per attempt. Um, one touchdown, one interception. Um, that that that's just amazing. Um, and I think like on, and I, and, and apparently Kevin Ridley and Christian Kirk, um, both had 89 receiving yards. Um, literally, um, that those were the two good targets. Um, Ridley, another good bounce back game, five receptions for 89 yards. He did catch, um, the touchdown and a two point conversion to take the lead. So that was very, so that was very good. Um, <clears throat> And this occurred on um this occurred late in the third 
late in the third uh, on the third quarter. Pass right to Calvin Ridley, and he pa Trevor Lawrence pa short pass short right to Calvin Ridley, and a thing. But um, with that, like the only good performance I saw from the Texans was um Derek Stingley Jr. He had a good pick near midfield early in the second half, and this was the second straight game with a pick. So congratulations. Um, and that congratulations to Stingley Jr. Um, and that actually helped set up the Texans um touchdown to make it 13 to 14 in the early third quarter. And uh man, if you want to talk about CJ Stroud, I'm not like this is crazy from him. 26 for 36, 304 yards, two touchdowns, zero interception, but he's, he was sacked four times. I mean, hey, you congratulations on beating Justin Herbert. And he has um and and he's the first i think he he has now set the record for the most passing yards in NFL history by a rookie in the first 11 games um he with that he has some um, 320 3226 passing yards passing Justin Herbert um and but according to CJ Stroud he says like we need to execute and finish better his words so i think i love the accountability and Tank Dell i um my god tank dell is a big big threat like um we got anand do you know what uh, the the play that i'm talking about right they um he tries to throw a um how do i where do i i'm trying to remember what the play was like so i i i think it was a um you know cj Stroud tries to throws a touchdown bomb to Tank Dell. Tank Dell Tank 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 Dell has ridiculous speed and it's ruled for a touchdown but apparently it was negated by an illegal shift. Yeah. Um, and the play that you're describing was, you know, Tank Dell comes so he was lined up to the left side of the offense mm -hmm. of CJ Stroud and he's motioned to the right side um to be you know nearly at the line of scrimmage and basically have sort of like a running head start uh when the ball is snapped and that's what led to the um illegal shift uh penalty but that was like you mentioned a touchdown bomb that was negated for tank dell uh that and he blew the top off of the jags defense there and the funny thing is the upsetting thing is one of the reasons why this was ref ball for this uh, game is the Miami Dolphins offense does this all the time when they wow. kill from one side of the office to the other side and give him basically a running start. So, you know, because this was the Texans, they forced that penalty. Uh, but otherwise, you know, this would have been an accepted legal play for, you know, let's say the Miami Dolphins when Tyree Kill is doing all that stuff. So that's why they were really, really upset at this one because that was, a great, great play call, um, you know, from the same scheme, right? Bobby Slowick was the offensive coordinator for the 49ers last year, where Mike McDaniels was also coaching for the 49ers last year as well, or two years ago, um, you know, under Kyle Shanahan. So it's like the same offensive scheme, a lot of motion. And in this case, the motion just, just happened to draw an illegal shift from these, from these refs. So yeah, yeah. that, that was that play. I mean, I, I got a feel for Tank Dell on this one, man. But um, yeah, and and um, and and for that um, it was a third and fifteen at the Houston fourteen. 
in the um with 20 seconds left to play in the first quarter my um but man um Nico Collins, he was uh, he also had some good routes. Best receiver for the Texans that game. Seven receptions, 104 yards, and a touchdown. But, bro, you want to talk about the real Josh Allen? The real Josh Allen from Jaguars. He had, a, and this is a crazy stat from PFF. He had three more pressures than everybody else in this game. I mean, you um, and, and I quote from PFF. He was, Josh Allen was by far mo the most disrupt destructive pass rusher in this game on either side of the ball and played a significant part in the Texans being unable to complete the late comeback in, on that drive. He had at least three more pressures than anybody else in the game, pending, like, of course, like their final grade reviews, and officially recorded 2.5 sacks by the end of the game. That is just insane. Josh Allen has stepped up, I mean, five, out of five total tackles, four solos, 2.5 sacks, two tackles for a loss, four QB hits. He made C.J. Stroud's life a living hell. And, of course, like, the attempted final drive by the Texans to tie the game. They're driving to the field, they're playing well, but those last-minute sacks that C.J. Stroud is taking um, on a first and ten, like um cj stroud sacked for 15 yards but 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 uh and of course and then on first and 10 at jacksonville 37 he gets sacked he gets sacked for nine yards and then se it becomes second and 19. and and of course he tries to make tries to come back with with those small plays fourth and 12. matt amandola tries to kick the game winning field goal but it doinks off the crossbar and, and with that the jaguars win the game but I heard that Matt Amendola was released by the end of the game and um, he was signed back. And they elevate, so they, so basically what happened was um, with Kaimi Fairban, Matt Amendola was cut and then he was signed back to the practice squad and now they're elevating him again. Man, I feel yeah, that's basically a punishment for Matt Amendola. Like, <laughs> this is what happens to you the next time you miss the field goal. My God, but what a what a good game between uh, and with that the Jaguars actually um claim they'll basically claim the NFC uh, AFC South um pending future games, but Texans got to learn how to finish. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, this one definitely was a game that the Texans could have won, and they, you know, by should've all accounts, they should have won there. But guess what? You blew it. Yep, you blew it. Yeah. All right. What do we got next? All right. So we are going to do the Bonch Minute recap next. Uh, starting with this time, the AFC. Go ahead, Rakshak. All right. Dolphins versus Jets. <laughs> do you, Anand, do you like games on a Black Friday? Do you like to see complete beatdowns and sorry-looking football? Well, look no, <laughs> look no further. Watch the Dolphins and the Jets. Like, I have no words. The old, I, I don't think of any recap to talk about this game because I mean, like, yeah, offense did okay for the for the Dolphins to a did throw a pick, but you know what? The only thing that I was able to think of the entire game, man. 
the Hell Mary play. Oh, my God. Can you break down the play for the folks, man? <laughs> so, basically, um, what happens is there's, like, four seconds left in the first half. The game is at basically a stalemate where both defenses are winning. It's 10 to 6 with, you know, the Dolphins in the lead. So by all accounts, if you're the Jets, you are not in field goal range at this point. What do you do? There's three seconds left. What do you do? Do you try for the Hail Mary or, you know, do you kneel it, call it a day, and then go into the second half? What do call you do? Call it a day. Time? Call it a day. Exactly. Go to the second half. It's 10 to 6. You're playing tightly closer. Your defense is doing well. And the important thing, your QB is Tim Boyle. <laughs> it's Tim Boyle. He literally yeets the ball like yeet. If you think about yeet. that name, it's like yeet. <laughs> exactly. He yeets the ball 65 yards in the air, which is a pretty good ball, not going to lie. But it falls short. Right into the hands of Javon Holland. Who and now, it 99 yards all the way to the touchdown. But that's <laughs> after going through like 10 of the, you know, seven of the Jets offensive players, like just making everybody miss running down the sidelines and <laughs> probably one of the best returns you'll see all year. Uh, it was just uh, the hell, man. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you had you have the butt fumble, you have um, Sam Darnold seeing ghosts, and now you, you we get this, the hell Mary. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, I didn't, ex but like honestly, Jets, I didn't expect you to be so bad with that, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> but okay, moving on. Steelers versus Bengals, 16 to 10 Steelers win. But honestly, like you talked about this play, but what the F was Deontay Johnson literally doing on that fumble play? And by the way, and big note, with Matt Canada being gone, the Steelers offense actually has life. 421 total offensive yards. They snap a 50 game, 50 game streak of having less than 400 yards of offense. Kenny Pickett had 278 passing yards, and he threw in the middle of the field. Who knew? Who knew? This is amazing stuff. And I'm so happy for the Steelers and that high-end talent. You beat Jake Browning and the Bengals. And if I'm the Bengals right now, do us a favor, man. Go for the tank. It's okay to be the bungle, the, go back to being the Bungles, but... I mean, go for the tank, baby. That's all there is. And, I mean, he had 19 for 26, 227 yards. Um, he did throw a touch. Jake Browning did throw a touchdown pass, but he threw an interception in the red zone. So, it's just, I mean, Pittsburgh was moving the ball effectively in that game. That's all I could say. It, it, life is easier so without, with, without Matt Canada. Who knew? Broncos versus Browns. Anand, we got Scorigami. Nice. And a funny thing, Sean Payne's like, what? What's a Scorigami? He literally asked, like, what? I never heard of that before at the at the press conference. And, oh, oh wait, Anand. 
Adat, Adat, Wilk. Hello, folks. Um, this is your boy Russell Wilson right here. Um, Broncos country, let's ride, baby. Um, I'm so proud of this team. Six six game winning streak. We beat a really good defense. Um, unfortunately, we did see some referee. Uh, we did see some um some injuries on the Brown side. I mean, um, I know they don't have any unlimited type of players, but it it's just so damn. But um, all I could say is um. We we played well. Um, I mean, thirteen for twenty-two it was pretty kind of bad, but we rushed. We 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 rushed. We didn't have to cook a lot. We you didn't have me cooking, which is perfectly fine. Um, Cortland Sutton, Mar I want to give my shout out to my boys, Cortland Sutton, Marvin Mims, and of course um, Adam Troutman. What a a great touchdown catch. Um, also, Dory Thompson Robinson, I feel for you, brother. Please take it easy. Um, I mean, I'm bro. Of course, I got a shout out to my Broncos defense, baby. Four, four turnover, four turn, four turnovers. Um, it forced. Um, my Purcell, Alex Singleton, DJ Jones, and of course the interception. Um, it's all good, baby. Broncos country, let's ride. Oh, Anand, I'm so sorry, man. Russell Wilson just keeps on taking over. My thing, man. When we, uh, whenever we talk about the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Ah. Uh, I, I don't know what to say. Um, Chiefs versus Raiders. Raiders. Uh, I, I got to do my Obi-Wan Kenobi thing on it. Raiders, you were the chosen one. You were supposed to beat the Chiefs and when you had the 14-point lead. Not blow it away. Bring balance to the AFC West. Not leave it in, in, in red and white. You were my brother, Raiders. I loved you. I hate you. <laughs> they legitimately had a chance in the first quarter. And Their they game blew plan. To, it. Yeah, they blew it. Their they game had, plan to counteract the pieces. It was Josh, perfect. They ran the running the ball with Josh Jacobs. He had 11, 110 rushing yards and a touchdown. And and I don't think the Chiefs ever allowed a hundred a hundred yard rusher for like some time. I think that's the record. But you got to give credit where credits due. Unfortunately, um, Patrick Mahomes, twenty seven for thirty four, two hundred ninety eight yards, two touchdowns, sacked only once. And Isaiah Pacheco. I'm happy I got Pacheco on my fantasy. Travis Kelsey didn't do anything because he's probably still thinking about Taylor Swift. No shots fired. There. <laughs> 15 rushes, 55 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, yeah, I mean, good job for Pacheco. Leaning more on the run game, you got to innovate. And this was a very important win for the for the Chiefs, to be honest, because um, they were coming back from a loss by my Eagles. You still take the L, Andy. Take that L, and it is so damn finger-looking good. I, I got I to gotta be petty on stuff like this. On it. Um, Titans versus Panthers. Why, NFL, why do you force us to put games like this? Um, I, I don't know how to talk about this. And they, they have – both teams are horrible. Unfortunately, however, Tennessee has a star, and his name is Derek Henry. He ran for two touchdowns and 76 yards to snap a three-game losing streak to beat the Panthers. Um, I mean, Henry is the eighth NFL, eighth running back in the NFL history to run for at least nine thousand yards 
and have at least 80 touchdowns before turning 30 years old. He moves past Corey Dillon and Jim Taylor for sole possession of 17th all-time with now 84 rushing touchdowns. And he's one touchdown from tying beast mode Marshawn Lynch at number 16. And um, this, uh, I mean, this, this is good, but Lord, even without Frank Reich, and um and do staley and josh mccown panthers oof bryce young 18 for 31 194 yards four sack sacked four times chuba hubbard and mile and on and, and let's give a shout out to miles sanders he wanted to take that big money and he left philly to go to carolina hey how's that big money treating you boy how is that big money treating you not that well yeah not that well I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I really feel sorry for Bryce Young, but Panthers, they gotta get they gotta attack the draft better, especially with the with with the offensive line and weapons. But guess with what? What picks? Yeah, they have no picks because they gave up a part of my French ladies and gentlemen. They gave up a shit ton to get their QB. And guess what? That number one pick is with the Bears. You're literally helping the Bears. And honestly, this was true tank. This is no, this wasn't even a tank bowl yet. Um, I'm just disappointed with them, with the with the Panthers, the way that they've handled things so far. Mm -hmm. Colts versus Bucks. Colts win 27 to 20. Shane Steichen. Man, he I he I don't know how they do it, but they keep on winning, baby. They're John in playoff Taylor. contention, dude. Six and five now. I know. And guess who is leading them? Minshew Mania, baby. <laughs> Let's go. But um, unfortunately, but yeah, with Jonathan Taylor, I think he's going to be out for some time with a thumb. But him and Zach Moss, they literally ran through a Tampa Bay's rushing rush defense. Um, to Jonathan T and um, like Shane Steichen. I mean, the trio of Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss, and Gardner Mitchell on his feet. 159 combined yards for rushing and three touchdowns against an opponent that has allowed just four scoring runs at all season. And the number could have been higher had Jonathan Taylor not slid after picking up a late first down to keep the clock moving. But it was a fourth and one play at the Bucks' 49-yard line. And they apparently run a jumbo package and guess what they did on that play? This is crazy. I love this one. They take Zaire Franklin, their linebacker, and they play him as a fullback. Ooh, what a nice play. And Mitchu fakes a handoff, step back, and he found Mo Alleycock spring wide open between the hash marks for a 30-yard gain. And, uh, and Shane like I said, like, um, the, the idea came was from our tight end coach, Tom Manning. And he came to me and he said, like, we're look, we're doing our short yardage meeting. And it's like, hey, that looks pretty good. Like a walk and touchdown. Let's have that one for sure. Well, one for sure. They gave us a look and it worked. Three plays later, Jonathan Taylor scores a touchdown. He finished the game with 15 carries and 91 yards, while Moss had eight carries for 55 yards. Like this is the first, this is the third third straight win for the Colts. They go about five about 0.500 for the first time since September. And the Bucks, they've lost four straight road games. And, and and Baker Mayfield, he injured his right ankle in the game. 
It forced Tampa Bay to sell a field goal, but I mean, this was uh, this, this was a this was a this was an ish game for the for the Bucks. I don't know how they can come back from this game, but also this is at a time in which Shaq Leonard was waived on Tuesday, but he made it to the podium so he could watch it. So and so they gave him a standing ovation, and guess what? He's going to decide whether it's going to be between the Eagles or the Cowboys. So I don't know how about this, Jim Mercy. But, hey, you know what? Congratulations, Colts, man. I think with Shane Scott Steichen doing good things, man, Anthony Richardson is going to have a good time. Mm-hmm. He is in probably one of the best situations for a rookie QB to come back from. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely for sure. All righty. Moving on. To the NFC side. Fine, trying to recap. Starting with the Cowboys versus the Commanders. The Cowboys win 45-10. to 10. What a shock. Once again, it's a typical Cowboys game. They play hard against a weak opponent. They lose to a strong opponent. And yes, Thursday they did beat the Seattle Seahawks. But it was a close game that they beat to again. Now, let's see how they face versus the Eagles, the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Lions. And Their yes, I am putting the Lions. Exactly. It's just going to start now. Speaking of the Seahawks, Seahawks versus Niners. <laughs> Niners eradicate the Seahawks 31-13. Take the L, Sea Chickens. Take the L. Y'all thought you were playoff contenders. You are not. Packers are going to overtake you for that fifth wild card spot. <laughs> and now Saints versus Falcons. Battle of the NFC South. Falcons win 24-15, but why? Why do the Saints suck so bad on offense? Oh, yeah. I remember now, Dakshak. They don't have a competent QB. <laughs> Fun fact. Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has more fantasy points than Derek Carr this season. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Kirk's been out for more than three weeks. <laughs> and guess what? The Saints losing that second round pick the Eagles got from him. Ooh, la, la. It's going to be looking so good. <laughs> You're going to have like a top top 15 pick in the second round while winning the Super Bowl. Like, Oh, my God. If that happens. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, let's say you have the 32nd pick, the 45th pick, and like the 64th pick. Ooh. What if you move up in the first round and to like the twentieth pick or something like that and get you know Kool Aid McKinstry or someone like that, or Kamari Lassiter, or Kamari Lassiter, yeah. Hell, you know, it'd be hell, you know, it'd be funny to like troll. Get Rome Roma Dunze. <laughs> oh my God. AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, a lot of um. I mean, yeah, probably Quez Watkins and no. <laughs> Watch you get Jatavion Sanders. Or, or even, or hey, if Xavier Worthy's okay, knock on wood, if he falls to, to Philadelphia, <laughs> or Adonai Mitchell, let's go. <laughs> Anyways, let's move back to the Bunch Minute recap. 
Rams versus Cardinals. Rams win 37-14. And now the question is, are the Rams actual contenders here? Nope. Nope. I don't think so. I think it's it's basically beating down on a bad team. And at least Matt Stafford can throw bomb plays downfield and Jonathan Gannon suffers. Yep. He's so you're happy there. Competent coach. The worst coach ever. Gannon, you still freaking suck. Yep, yep, yep. Let's move on before we have Rakshak rant version 26. Uh, <laughs> you actually keeping count? I'm, I'm guessing right uh, on top of my head. I'm, I'm just guesstimating right now. I'm like, I know there's at least been 20. So, but yeah, moving on. Bears versus Vikings. Oh my God. Bears win 12 to 10. <laughs> the greatest game has arrived. Oh my god. It has cursed us all as NFL fans. Brought us back to the age of 1920s football where everybody was smoking 10 packs of cigarettes a day and drinking 5 10 bottles of beer a day. Oh my god, you gonna I'm gonna <laughs> Oh my god, dude. That was such a nauseating football game to watch. The Pastronaut suffered a multi-stage rocket booster malfunction by throwing four picks. Oh my god. Four. Bro, I can't I can't <laughs> worst game I've ever watched. And I actually sat up watching this with my family on Monday Night Football. Why do you do this to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this was a horrendous game. And guess what? We have another horrendous game. Giants versus Patriots, tank ball number four. Oh god. <laughs> Giants win. 10 to 7. Oh, man. Jeez, man. <laughs> Which QB controversy is more pathetic? Tell me this. Okay. Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi or Danny Dimes and Tommy? Give me the Gabagool DeVito. Give me the what? Give me the Gabagool DeVito. No, it's more like, give me the, give me the ball. You know, I got the Italian version you know no, what i mean it's, it's an office reference oh <laughs> yes. yes where um anyways i'm not, I'm not gonna explain it because the uh, but yeah um so yeah Wh which one do you think is the worst qb controversy mac jones and bailey zappy or danny dimes and tommy devito oh my god i have no idea i don't know <laughs> the reason one. the reason why i tell you this According to NFL on CBS, the <laughs> highest passer rating amongst rookies, rookie QBs this season, minimum of 50 attempts, CJ Stroud, 100.8. Tommy DeVito, 92.4. Mm. Will Levis, 88.2. Anthony Richardson, 87.3. And Bryce Young's all the way down at the bottom at 49. Wow. Tommy DeVito. That is just insane. The second best rookie QB this season. He gets my Masala MVP for the season. If <laughs> <laughs> he pulls this off, CJ Stroud, move over. Oh, <laughs> my God. It's the Tommy DeVito season. 
I, you know, be really funny from my, I think I got a good Halloween costume right here. Check it out. <clears throat> Tommy DeVito, get a, get a Tommy DeVito jersey <laughs> and, wear it and do that. Um, you know, the Italian finger greeting, like the finger something. I don't know what it's called, but yeah, um, you know what I'm referring to. Yes. <laughs> the hand gesture, the classic hand gesture. Yeah. But yeah, all righty. Um, that's it from the Bonch Minute recap. And now we move on to the Masala moment of the week. Uh, starting with, for me, it has got to be Jordan Love with the best throw of his career. And I am just going to share this video uh, to you, Vakshak. And mm -hmm. you just tell me what you think about this. About All this. right. Let's take a look, shall we? So Jordan Love. Oh! Oh, my God. Tight coverage. Do you see that? Literally, Ooh. the defensive back, number 31, has his back turned towards the ball or away from the ball, and Jordan Love slices through that defense and throws a dart to Jaden Reed uh, for that touchdown. And honestly, no words can justify the beauty of this play. You guys have to go through the highlights of the Packers versus the Lions game on Thanksgiving. Just watch. Just watch the slow motion I have no play. words, man. I have no words how to describe that play. Because, and as wow. you can see, Jordan Love uh, a mess, uh, told in the interview, they actually messed up on this play. It was supposed <laughs> to be a triple slant play. Uh, so basically, you have you know Christian Watson, Jaden Reed, and Romeo Dobbs on a three-by-one set. And you have Christian Watson on the inside running the inside slant. Jo uh, Jaden Reed running that medium slant to the intermediate slant to about the 10-yard line, and you have Romeo Dobbs running in a in-route. Uh, but Christian Watson messed that up uh, in terms of the route that he ran, and that's not where the – like, Jordan Love threw it with such beautiful anticipation and touch. Like, it was the perfect pass, even though they messed that play up. Damn. So, Yeah. That was my uh, Masala moment of the week. That is good. And my Masala moment of the week, I think I've already mentioned it before, Alameda Zacchaeus, man. That third and 15 scramble play by Jalen Hurts throws a, literally throws like a, throws a 29-yard beauty. Zacchaeus is near the, is at the end zone. He's covered by two things, and he ma makes a catch. He mosses two cornerback, defensive backs. I, it was between that or Jake Elliott's 59-yard thing, but yeah. Or what I could have also talked about, Arunt, I had another Masala moment. Between through between this third play, I had to I picked the Alameda Zacchaeus one because and the third play was that overtime was the game winning overtime run by Jalen Hurts. Literally, and I thought this was a great breakdown by Benjamin Solak um, of the ringer. Basically, the Eagles are they usually run like it. They they set up in a they, they the Buffalo's defense gave them the same look 
gave a same look in which like the Eagles are running, Swift is running in motion, and and apparently this leads and and they have like one and the Bills have like a a defensive end like near the edge of like Jordan Mailata. Mailata was like why they literally gave us the game away. They ran the same motion and that allowed Jalen Hurts to to fake the to fake the throw, go for a QB draw for a touchdown. Out of those three game winning game um game deciding Masola moments, the biggest one has to be the Olamide Zacchaeus touchdown. What a freaking catch. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. In the uh I I, I think it's the game tying touchdown, right? They took the no, it was a game. It was they oh, took the lead 24 21, third and 15. Jalen Hurts is rolling left. He's being pressured, throws a 29 yard bomb. Yeah, yeah. And Zacchaeus catches it over two, three people. He yeah. mossed over human beings. Yes, yes. I remember that. Just one. like how Devontae Smith is going to moss over Daron Bland. Bland spiciness level about to go down to salt. Oh, yes. Oh, we got to talk about it, baby. I'll be sick. I'm calling y'all out on this one. Baby. Yeah, he, he's going to come back now. Round two of Eagles versus Cowboys. We, we got to get him on to this podcast now. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, so that's going to conclude the preview, uh, the recap of week 12. And now we're going to move on to the preview of week 13. We're going to try and wrap this up now. Uh, starting with the Packers versus the Chiefs, Ooh, we have baby. a shot. I repeat, we have a shot. Do you think we have a shot? Hey, I think any team has a shot to beat the Chiefs, but you got to be consistent. Look at how the Eagles did it, baby. I agree. I agree. And, you know, more than the Eagles, we're trying to look at how the, how the Broncos defeated the Chiefs. Um, and there's a great article uh, by Dare Carragher, uh, an Irish uh, reporter who works for two, uh, 24-7 Sports as a Packers beat writer. Uh, he, They had a, a pretty good breakdown as to how the Denver Broncos beat uh, the uh, you know the Patrick Mahomes led Chiefs offense and how the Packers run in similar alignments, especially in the defense with the Denver Broncos. So I'll get to that a uh, little bit. But for the Packers to win, somehow we have to generate pressure and force Mahomes into making missed plays and potentially turnovers because it's going to be tough for us to bring him on the ground. But it's going to be easier for us to force him to throw it off, uh, you know, throw it to where he doesn't want to throw it, you know, especially while protecting um, by uh, or covering uh, Travis Kelsey. So force Mahomes to make mistakes. That's our best way to win in terms of the defense. And the guy to watch out, Carl Brooks. In terms of pass rush win rate in November, in the interior defensive line spot for the Packers, Kenny Clark is the second best IDL. Carl Brooks, the 18th, and Devontae Wyatt, the 28th. So in terms of pass rush win rate in November amongst 95 interior defensive linemen, Carl Brooks was the 18th best. And also amongst all 95 potential 
um, you know, interior defensive lineman qualifiers, the PFF ranked Carl Brooks third overall, third overall in all of November in terms of 88.9 uh, as the PFF grade uh, with a minimum of 80 snaps. Nine total pressures, two batted passes, one sack, one QB hit, one forced fumble, and a top 20 pass rush win rate league-wide. Not only that, for week 12, he was the highest-graded interior defensive lineman in the NFL. More than your boy Jalen Carter. More than Aaron Donald. More than Kenny Clark. More than Chris Jones. More than any other interior defensive lineman. Carl Brooks was the highest-graded defensive lineman. Interior defensive lineman. For week 12. And funnily enough, the Packers used the draft trade that we made with uh, the Lions, where we traded down and the Lions traded up to draft Brian Branch. We potentially, we eventually turned that into Jaden Reed, a top 10 pick and a top 10 slot receiver. Dontavion Wicks and Carl Brooks, who was selected in the fifth round. Fifth round. We need to give Carl Brooks some respect on his name. Second of all, the secondary has to play a lot of too high and cover four or quarters coverage, and they need to keep all the plays in front of them. They cannot let the receivers go past the secondary, and they should... You know, it should be easier now that the Chiefs don't have a reliable deep threat. Like, yeah, they have MVS who's going to blow the top off, but he's not consistent enough in terms of catching the football. So, you know, at this point, we can reliably play cover four or cover two um, and just, you know, play a, a, a lot of, um, you know, some zone coverage there and make sure that the Chiefs have all their players in front of us. And this is exactly what Denver did. They switched over from their cover one, cover three scheme to a cover two, cover four scheme um, and pressured Mahomes, not just not with their D line, but with their secondary coverage. So for us, with our D line being far better than the Denver Broncos in terms of generating pressure, we don't necessarily have to um, you know, blitz to generate pressure. We can generate pressure with our four-man rush. And then once we do that, you can have seven to eight players in the back end protecting uh, that those passing lanes and forcing Mahomes to hold on to the ball. And in that Denver game, they forced Mahomes to hold on to the ball for an average of 3.41 seconds per throw, which was the second longest in his entire career. So one player who's going to help us in that respect, that's going to be rookie, Packers rookie, Carrington Valentine. In terms of uh, four games since the Rasul Douglas trade, on a minimum of 100 defensive snaps, he is 17th in the NFL in terms of the PFF coverage grade. And his 52.3% uh, his 52.3 passer rating is third best in the entire league uh, 
and 39.1 completion percentage allowed is second just behind Jalen Ramsey in the past four weeks since the Rasul Douglas trade. So he's been playing on fire. So we have, you know, potentially we also have Darnell Savage and Rudy Ford coming back to play uh, in the safety position. So Rudy Ford especially is going to help us a lot. Jair Alexander is potentially listed as, uh, he's listed as questionable, so he could potentially come back and help us on that run defense. So we could have a, a revamped secondary unit where you don't rely on someone like a Corey Ballantyne, but you have Jair Alexander, Carrington Valentine, Keyshawn Nixon, who's also a, a fantastic cornerback uh, as a slot cornerback. And then you have Rudy Ford coming back in, uh, in, in into play. And then you either have Darnell Savage or you switch them with Jonathan Owens or Anthony Johnson Jr. Right. So you have, you know, with that secondary, we potentially have a, a really good coverage secondary in terms of breaking down and uh, preventing Mahomes from having a successful game. Now, while our secondary can probably take care of the back end, our D-line has to be solid in the run game. And this is... The, uh, the reason why is because the Chiefs run game, while being weak in terms of O-line movement, right? they're only 18th uh, in EPA per rush and 29th in success rate. Isaiah Pacheco is a monster if he's given the appropriate running lanes. You know, amongst running backs with rushing attempts of more than or equal to 135 attempts, he is 8th in DYAR. 8th in DVOA, and 6th in success rate. So unfortunately, over the season, our run defense has not been so great. Weak D-line movement, only 20th in adjusted line yards uh, allowed. Um, 18th in terms of second-level yards allowed. So weak uh, linebacker gap assignments in play there. Tackling, mistackling, that's also... Uh, reasonably high uh, unreasonably high for us uh, pathetic safety run stopping 27th in open field and that's because for the past uh, you know month uh, or past couple of weeks we haven't had Rudy Ford on the field so he is excellent in uh, run stop for the safety coverage uh, and Jair Alexander has also been missing who's also re been really good for us in the run stop so this game hopefully we can shore the uh, shore up our run defense and Clark and company must be active in the Chiefs' backfield. So that's it from the defensive side. From the offensive side, we need to target Jaden Reed, especially from the slot. And Drakshak, did you know that this season, Jaden Reed from the slot receiver position yeah. is number one in Whoa! the NFL for yards per reception, 16.6 oh yards per reception. First in the league amongst all slot receivers. Oh man, that's this is including so the big receivers who play in the slot, who sometimes still play in the slot, like Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. You know, sometimes you have Jamar Lamb? Chase, CD Lamb. He's better than CD Lamb in the slot. Suck it, Hyde. Exactly. <laughs> and Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed was one of the picks. Uh, that we traded with the Lions for Brian Branch. 
in that Brian Branch trade where the Lions got Brian Branch, we got Dontavion Wicks, Jaden Reed, and Carl Brooks. Uh, so yeah. going back to Jaden Reed, he is tied second in terms of touchdowns and 381 total yards, which is eighth uh, in the entire league from the slot. So we definitely need to keep targeting Jaden Reed. And I expect Jaden Reed versus, versus Trent McDuffie to be a very, very exciting matchup uh, to watch. Um, so besides that, we also need to have a strong emphasis on our running game from the beginning. You know, uh, for many statistics, the Chiefs' run defense is worse than the Packers' run defense, especially their D-line movement. While the Packers are 20th in ALY, the Chiefs are like 24th or 25th. You know, something, they, they average 4.4 uh, uh, yards uh, allowed in terms of ALY, adjusted line yards allowed. So that D-line does not do well um, in, in the run game. So we need to take advantage. And the reason why we can take advantage, we should take advantage of that, is because if we do, this would force Steve Spagnolo, the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, to control the amount of blitzing that they do. Because the Chiefs blitz about 30% of the time, which is one of the highest in the entire league. And they get the most amount of pressure per play overall amongst all defenses, right? So this is something that we definitely have to be aware of uh, that we really didn't see from the from the Detroit Lions. Um, and that's, you know, because their defensive uh, front seven isn't that great at uh, creating pressure. The Chiefs are much better. They are the best in the league in terms of the amount of pressure that they can generate. Uh, per play so you know the more time Jordan Love holds the ball the less effective our pass game is and one more statistic for that when Jordan Love is holding the ball for less than two and a half seconds this season 80 for 109 653 yards eight touchdowns zero picks 85.3 PFF grade which is the fourth amongst all QBs so all we got to do is get the ball out of Jordan Love's hands, focus on our running game, because once we do that, then it'll force uh, Steve Spagnuolo to not blitz that much and allow our passing game to improve as well. Now, this is going to be much tougher because the Lions cornerback, uh, Lions defense is nothing compared to this Chiefs uh, pass defense, which is spectacular. Right? It's one of the best in the league at controlling the amount of yards given passing-wise, controlling the amount of touchdowns given passing-wise, and, yeah. you know, generating, uh, just just locking down wide receivers. So it's going to be a fun matchup to see. Uh, but I expect, you know, Matt LaFleur to be crazy aggressive again. Like, this is the game to bring out, you know, this is the defense where you got to bring out all of your cards. Like, yeah, you were very creative against the Lions, but this is the time to sh bring out everything from your bucket. Like, just, just let everything rip. Because after this, we have pretty easy matchups, like sizable matchups after this. I believe um, after this Chiefs game, uh, when you look at the Packers schedule, we have the Giants, the Bucks, the Panthers, Vikings, and Bears. Five easily winnable games so you know all i want to see from this chiefs game is not give up massively 
Now, for the Chiefs to win, you have to force the ball to Kelsey. Now, Taylor Swift is going to be in attendance, so you know he's going to look to ball out. Oh, yeah. Right? This is the time for him. But um, in all seriousness, amongst tight ends with more than or equal to 35 targets, he's third in catch rate, second in DYAR, and tied for second in touchdowns, only behind George Kittle. So, you know, he's been having a phenomenal year, a typical Travis Kelsey year. But for the, for the Chiefs to win, they have to feed Travis Kelsey. Like, that's the only way that they can win. Well, not only way, but it's one of the major ways that they can win. Now, they still have to remain explosive. Right? You can't control the drops. That's really on the receivers. You know, Mahomes can try, but that's ultimately on the receivers themselves. But they can still be explosive. They're still explosive in terms of uh, EPA per play. They're seventh in the entire league in terms of EPA per play, but second in drop percentage at 7.2 drops per game. So if the Packers play a lot of soft zone coverage, then you have to exploit that with a ton of play action, right? And this goes back to what you know the Packers did. Um, we got to play a, a, a little bit more man coverage um, or maybe disguise some of our man coverage with zone, you know, start out with zone, but eventually switch to a man coverage front uh, with, you know, cover two or cover four. Just keep like, yeah, it's okay if you get like six, seven yard chunks, just keep everything in front of you. Don't let them get the 20, 30, 40 yard chunks with Travis Kelsey and other receivers, right? For the Packers, you have to keep it in the front uh, in, in front of you, but for the chiefs, you have to try and get explosive here. And the one of the ways that you can do that is you need to exploit this Packers run defense, especially targeting the outside zone runs and getting Pacheco in space because the Packers are 25th in terms of open field runs. And the Packers edge rushers, not named Preston Smith, can't set an edge to save their lives. So, you know, run duo, run 12 personnel and target the outside uh, of the tackles for your runs and get Pacheco in the space, especially with screen passes, with throws to the flat, with, uh, you know, running outside zone runs uh, towards either of the tackle sides because then you're dealing with the cornerbacks and the safeties and the linebackers. And yeah, you have Quay Walker and, you know, you're you're going to have Isaiah McDuffie and maybe um, Devontae Campbell. We need to see if um, if he's listed as questionable or not. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, that's, that's something that you have to do as a chiefs, you know, you have to exploit this Packers run defense. And as long as the clock continues to bleed out, you give more rest to your defense and less crowd noise to impact your lead. So in the end, um, I think the Packers, are going to try and make it competitive and I'm going to continue to pick against the Packers <laughs> because what has happened so far, whatever oh I've picked yes. against the Packers, we have won <laughs> I except I, against I, the Steelers. But I, I don't know what to say, man. So for punishment. Yes. I will continue to pick against the Packers because the Packers will win at that point if i do so 
I'm going to pick against the Packers. I think the Chiefs win 24-20. It's going to be a close game, but I think the Chiefs are just too good of a team uh, for us to uh, for us to defend here. So, yep. Wow. The way that you're picking against your own team? I mean, yeah. like, I thought, and, and it's apparently working for you. It's like, this stuff, I can't believe it, bro. <laughs> hey, you got to do everything you can as a fan. You gotta do everything, even if you have to put your own up, uh, your yourself up as a sacrifice. Take one for the team, the greater good. Exactly, exactly. Take one for your team. All right, <laughs> all good then. Okay. If that's the case, then um, <clears throat> how do I? Then now for my game, bro. This is going to be a burner now. So much trash talking on both sides and the narratives from the NFC Championship game. We have the rematch. San Francisco versus Philadelphia. Oof. Oof. The Niners they, fans are already crying. They're crying uh, and I'm uh, and pardon my French. They have been the even the players have been whining and moaning and bitching, bitching, just like the Niners that they are. They're so bitching about this NFC Championship game. Oh, we could have won if you had Purdy's. Yeah, well, guess what? Next time, don't put a third string tight end to go up against Hassan freaking Reddick, who was who was on a monster tear. You you guys are idiots and. And one more thing, Rob Stats Guerrera, um, he did of um the Gold Standard podcast. He was he had um he did an episode with Brandon Lee Gatton previewing the Niners Eagles game this week. He said it's apparently giving the edge to the Eagles because apparently Coach Sirianni coaches to win, and 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 Shanahan coaches to not lose. There's a difference, baby. There's a difference. All I'm gonna say is this, and Debo, you're still a punk. Um, all, and now we got to do, I have to do my best matchups. Eagles offense against this Niners defense. The biggest strength is going to be against is in the trenches. You're looking at the Niners pass rush, Bosa. I mean, their defensive line, um, Anna, please tell me who they are again. Like is I'm guessing Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead. Um, anyone else? Uh, do I need to explain? Do I need to explain more about them on a, like honestly, no, they're I pretty well known. And a crazy stat from Jimmy Kemsky of Philly Voice: they, uh, uh, those the four of them, like the the names I just mentioned, they have more than five. They at least have five sacks this season. Nick Bosa with eight, Young with six point five, Hargrave with six, Armstead with five, and Chase Young got traded. And traded from the commanders to the Niners, and we're literally facing him a third time. Leave us alone. <laughs> why, Chase Young? Why? But with that, I could see the Niners going um a little bit more. Um, they he'll be facing up against Jordan Mailata, who we've seen before. And um, some of the tendencies that happens is that um they rarely blitz. But they so but they're so much better when they stack the box. And however, 
if they go light, if they go to light box, meaning that they don't like, uh, they don't swarm in the. When we mean by stack the box, Anand, we are basically talking about like covering that middle of the field, middle of the field area. Correct. Um, this is for the listeners. Exactly. And when you and when you're going light box, apparently this is where the Eagles can take an advantage. And some of the and and, and um looking at the B, looking at the BGN um page on like. Uh, uh, according to stats, they uh, we're still waiting for them to run twenty-one personnel. But they've but uh, mo but like uh, and I think with for the last couple of games, especially with the Goddard injury, with Dallas Goddard being out, but now he's been upgraded to doubtful. Um, he is the Eagles are running around like sixty-nine percent alone personnel, and sometimes they go twelve personnel. I think twelve personnel only works when you have Goddard and Stoll, but unfortunately. Um, oh no, I got breaking news, man. Go I got breaking Damakedar news. Roger Goodell could seek a permanent ban of the Eagles' brotherly shove. No, that's stupid. All right, that's how they're gonna do it. You'll find freaking different. I mean, like the thing is, we don't need to use a tush push at all because J we have a QB who can squat 600 pounds. Yeah, you could just do the modified QB sneak, which kind of looks like the tush push, but you just have the running backs who are not pushing the uh, the QB. And it would still be at least like 85% effective. Yeah. And this is according to Diana Rossini on this one. But again, like this is all this, this could be all speculation. But then again, they, I think, like the uh, the owners have to like um, unanimously agree to it, right? Or mm -hmm. I don't, or they have to have like some kind of like personnel. But you know what? It's Philly against the world, and I love it, man. Let's go up. Okay, but anyway, back to the breaking news with Roger Goodell being such a freaking idiot. Um, the thing, like one thing that we can know about the Niners, they are. And, and like they like not only do they have a good defense, but their their defensive line, the biggest strength that they have is that linebacker position. Um, Fred Warner. What can you tell me about Fred Warner on like how damn good he is? I mean, he's the best linebacker in the league for a reason. He's so good side to uh, sideline to sideline in terms of his speed and agility. But not only that, like not only is he an effective run run blocker. He's also a, a, a phenomenal, you know, linebacker in pass coverage. Yeah, he, it's he's he's the best linebacker. Period. Oh, he's 100%. the best linebacker. He's prime time Bobby Wagner. Ooh, baby! Ninety five tackles, two sacks, three interceptions this season. And the Niners you go. rush defense. And I forgot. Oh, I guess what I kind of forgot about that pass about the the defense the pass rushing that they have right. Guess who mm -hmm. they also have? I completely forgot. Cleveland Farrell, Randy Gregory, Gregory, Javon Kinlaw, and hell, you can bring in Fred Warner to come in, and um, and and and, and apparently they have their two weak side ends and weak and Sam Will and Sam linebackers, Dre Greenlaw and Oren Burks. I completely forgot about them. My God, like this Niners. Is the the Niners are so damn good when they like, especially in the trenches. But they're going up against a, a pretty good Eagles Eagles offensive line. Unfortunately, the Eagles offense has been giving up a lot of 
have been giving up a couple of pressures lately, but um, I think, but but like with their but with their run deep, but apparently like with their run defense, I think like the Eagles can still run the ball, and and it, and in order to beat this Niners team, you have to run the ball and pass, and they have to attack early. That is that's the bit that's the best path to success for the Eagles, and I think this could be a game in which we could see. We need to see Rashad Penny get activated for this game. And I want to see more of DeAndre Swift. And I mean, but that second half that Brian, that Brian Johnson called, I want to see him use that for the first and the second half for this game. Um, no turnovers, please. Um, and with and I think like this will rely a lot. And unfortunately, like with um, the tight end option being a little bit weak, still with Jack Stoll, and um, and of course, I have the latest injury report on this. Um, looks like Grant Calcaterra is going to be questionable with an ankle. That's a backup tight end. So we could be seeing more, mainly 11 personnel with Jack Stoll. Um, maybe I want to see more of that Albert O that we traded with the Broncos. But um, I think, but but like, but even if we try and attack the middle of the field, Fred Warner is going to be swarming over in that area. So it may be a little bit difficult. However. If they're playing light in the box, like um, they, um, I mean, if they play like one man or one high or two high shelled, I mean, with SR allowed or like in pass coverage, um, I think like if they play a lot more zone, I think this is where the Eagles will have a lot more success because I'm looking at their corner room, Charvarius Ward and D Diamandre Lenore. Demo Demo no, Demo how do you say his Diamador name? Diamador Lenore. Diamador Lenore. Like he's been, he's, he's, um, Diamador Lenore has been holding up on his own and Chavarius Ward. They've been able to make, they make like interceptions and get the turnovers when that pass rush hits. However, in single coverages and all that, Chavarius Ward has done a great job against DK Metcalf against the Niners, like with the Niners Seahawks game, but they're facing a different animal. And his name is AJ Brown. They're facing another different animal. Animal. His name is Devontae Smith. They're facing the two Batman team, and 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 especially in single cover, and especially like in um, if you're playing man coverage, I would favor the Eagles wide receivers to win this battle one hundred and ten percent. And um, and I mean like in the championship game, if you want to look at the championship game, um, Devonte Smith had two catches for thirty six yards, while AJ Brown had four for twenty eight. But I think like. They were, I mean, they were excellent in that game. However, the Eagles ran it 44 times and they got a three touchdown lead because, and the Niners did not have Brock Purdy in this game. But I think um, so far in the last four games, um, Lenore has um, has allowed like 17 reception, had 17 receptions allowed out of 19 targets, 226 yards, which is like 11.9 yards per target. And, um, and and I think like and with Lenore, I could expect Devontae Smith to go up against him. That would be the best mismatch. And also, big I think this was also big breaking news that we got to talk about, man. The Niners' scariest safety, Talanoa Hofunga, is going to be out. Is he's out for uh, on IR? Um, and so you'll be having Jair Brown and Deshaun Gibson. And if they're playing, and I think the, I think with this, um, the Niners will have to play some zone. Mainly to, I think they can go cover two. And if I'm the Eagles, 
you gotta i think we could see some more we could see the play action being used a lot more if they can get if and when they get that run game going um don't you think mm-hmm. yep that's just um me drinking water right there but i think like um and, and with this um eagles have to run the ball they i mean run if you I mean, side to side is going to be a little bit difficult because Fred Warner is going to be swarming. But if you can get those five, six chunk yards, just play death by a thousand paper cuts, limit the mistakes, check down, check down, check down if you need to. And and you win by that, that's perfectly fine. Boring football, it may be sounding as boring football, but if you take those shots and you're able to connect on those, good stuff. That's all I can say. Um, any, and anyhow, we got to we got to turn it back around Eagles defense against the Niners offense. Boy. Oh boy. I, uh, to be honest, man, I am kind of scared for this game. I am scared. Well, I'm scared on this part because the Eagle, because, um, the, I think like this will be the time in which like the Eagles, they really need Fletcher Cox to come back. Um, right now he is questionable with a groin injury. And um, Zach Cunningham is out for the game with a hamstring. But um, and and unfortunate and, uh, and surprisingly, they did not activate elevate anyone from the practice squad this week. So you're going to be relying. Uh, so I'm like, okay, so you're down to Nicholas Morrow and Christian Harris. That makes no sense. Why are why is this happening? And the, and this Niners offense, they're gonna depend. And the way that this um, Kyle Shanahan type of offense, they run have they depend heavily on this run game, especially with Christian McCaffrey, who has 109. He nearly has 200 um, carries with almost nine with um, 60 yards short of a thousand rushing yards and 11 touchdowns. They tend to use a lot of zone runs and jet sweeps, jet sweep via Debo Samuel, who's been calling James Bradbury trash. And still whining and bitching about the NFC Championship game, Debo. He's gonna be like D bitch. <laughs> That's how <laughs> I'm gonna say. It. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm gonna call his ass out on that. Uh. Um, and and I think like the biggest step for the Eagles, you gotta stop the run game, especially in from the edges. It's Christian McCaff and and I think like with Christian McCaffrey, he is he is very agile. He can run from the he can run side to side. And um, I and I think like with the Eagles' rush defense, they've been good against opposing running backs. They've only allowed 683 yards and just two touchdowns on 184 rushing yard attempts to opposing running backs. And and when you look at the Niners, um, the the Niners' losses, they did not give run McCaffrey the running. They did not get the run game going. And um, that was because their their tackle Trent Williams and wide receiver Debo Samuel was out. But now that they're those two are back in, that's when it's gonna. That's when I think like the running game can be more effective. But another huge matchup is gonna be the 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 passing attack by Brock Purdy, who has been performing really well. He's made a good comeback, and the Niners' weapons, they are yak monsters. I'm gonna read that read this out to you and I'll tell you why I am scared on this thing. Okay. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Christian McCaffrey, his yak is 345. George Kittle, tight end, 306. Debo Samuel, 
254. And of course, number one wide receiver for the 49ers, Brandon Ayuk, 234. They have a combined for almost 1,140 yards. They're one yard short of that. Dang. The Eagles linebacker, the linebackers, I mean, Morrow and um, Ellis. Oh, good Lord. Um, and that's what I'm really worried about. They have to, have to, have to find a way. And, of course, for Sean Desai, he has to, he has to um, find a way to, like, limit this, um, this attack to, to, like, stop them from, like, from, like, you have to get those guys into the ground after the catch. You cannot allow them to like gate. You cannot miss tackles. You cannot let them break them apart. So, I mean, this and of course, but funny thing is the Eagles have faced these two offenses, this type of similar, um, the, the LA Rams and the Dolphins coming both from the Kyle Shanahan tree. And those happen to be the Eagles two best games. And I think like we can expect the Niners to, to use like a lot of motion and Brock per and the way that Brock Purdy is going to take advantage um one thing for sure is he's going to definitely target the middle of the field um because with our linebackers being so weak and our even and our Eagles playing a lot more zone um I think for this game we can definitely see the Eagles go like a little bit more of a shell type of defense um I want to say covered um and I mean if I'm looking at if I'm looking at their defensive structure the Eagles will probably run a, run a stacked box um, they could definitely go um, man or zone. I mean, mainly they'll mainly run zone zone coverage. Um, probably cover one or cover two. But um, one thing, but I think there's a good matchup that I am confident in. Um, I would first of all, like, um, correct me, um, help me out on this one, Anand. If you're facing Brandon Ayuk, I would put Debo. I would put um, my best corner Darius Slay on it. Correct. Like just to give us give ourselves a chance. Uh, I would put him on Debo Samuel. I would put Darius Lay on Debo. Yeah. But for then for Ayuk, you're hoping to put James would, Bradbury and then or your best slot cornerback because oh, that'd be Bradley Roby. Right. Yeah, Bradley. So I think they'll be playing a lot more zone. And so and unfortunately with like Fletcher Cox being doubtful, Eagles could go like a they they'll probably go like a five man front, which I could see them go um Reddick, um sweat. And with Fletcher Cox being questionable, I could see Jordan Davis and um, Jalen Carter seeing some more snaps. Luckily, we're getting Milton Williams back because he's a good run stopper. And um, a crazy stat. Um, remember Kevin Bayard that the Eagles picked up from the Titans? Mm -hmm. And I noticed this. Before the Kevin Bayard trade, weeks 1 through 11, this is from Johnny Page of um, Bleeding Green Nation, the Eagles played 74% too high shell, which is second, and they were... And they were also twenty, and they also played twenty percent one high show, which is thirty first in the league. Since the Kevin Byer trade, weeks eight to twelve, they played forty percent, forty seven percent two high show, which is eighteen percent, and forty eight percent, and forty eight percent of one high show. Basically, they're mixing; they're able to mix cover one and cover two a lot more easier. And I would, yes, I think I do like the Kevin Byer George Kittle matchup. Kevin Byard held up on his own against Travis Kelsey, so I think he could do pretty good against um, George Kittle. At least like limit him. And but honestly, I could see this going into a shootout um, because Niners can run a lot of motion, and they love they love going twenty one personnel. But 
and um but uh, uh but however like and they and i mean like by 21 personnel you're going two running backs one tight end and two wide receivers and it's it's just some it's just insane uh, i i'm kind of worried to see like how um eagles linebacker christian ellis but um i think like this will also and the only way that you're able to beat this niners offense of course eagles have to score first because we have yet to see how brock purdy um does when when facing pressure like or facing behind and the eagles pass rush that's the key if they want to help the secondary you gotta get home on a quarterback um and i and the best matchup i can look at is the right tackle for the um for the niners because i don't think that they've, they've um worked on it properly um you're having colton mckivitz who is a um I mean, McKivitz was a fifth round pick in 2020, and he's go and he'll probably be going up against Hassan Reddick. The same Hassan Reddick who put past Mike McGlinchey and a third um in a in a third string tight end to get to Brock Purdy, and we know the story from there. Um, but of course, left tackle Trent Williams, he's a great player, but he's also a punk for trying to attack Kevon Wallace. But um but I think like the Niners, you gotta. Um, I think what they'll do is they'll probably try and bring in an extra tight end to give McKivitt some help against Hassan Reddick on passing downs. But I think like also the interior of this Niners um defense, the Niners offensive line, and Brandell Banks and and Bufford, I think they may have a tough time going up against Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. He's seen those Georgia Bulldogs foaming their mouth. If Fletcher Cox returns for this game. That's gonna be good. Um, I'd be very, very happy to see that. But um, I think like um, this is, and um, and I think, and then also a key thing is like with Lane Johnson most likely coming back from injury for their Eagles offense. This is going to help a lot, especially with the run game when you're attacking from that right or the left side. Um, but honestly, with this. This is going to be, and from what I've heard from the reports, there's going to be some rain, more likely like showers, like like in Philly last week against the Bills. So I think the Eagles. Um, I think with the rain, with the with the game on the rain, uh, um, I can definitely see the Niners winning this game, but I'm going to put my faith forward. I say the Eagles win this game, 35 to 28. It's going to be a shootout. One defensive stop, Jalen Hurt. The Eagles are going to pound the rock, and they're going to win this game. Okay, okay. I mean, I could see this is going to be a very close game, but I could see the Eagles pulled off again. Uh, you know, by the skin of their teeth. And I, I mean, it's insane. Like Jalen Hurts' passer rating goes up to like triple. Like his rating goes up to like almost like in triple digits when he's trailing by ten points or more. It's ridiculous. He's a clutch QB. Clutch QB. All righty. Moving on to the final segment of this episode, the Masala Games of the Week preview. For me, I have a pretty spicy, underrated matchup in the Broncos versus the Texans. Mm. And this is because five weeks ago, you never would have thought this would have been a playoff matchup. But guess what? In five weeks, it has made a world of a difference. In five weeks, the Broncos have gone five and oh 
And in that five-game win streak, the Broncos' defense has allowed an average of 16 points per game, which is top five in the league. I believe like the third best, a third or fourth best, just behind like the Steelers and the Packers. So it is ridiculous the amount of of turn uh, of uh, improvement that the Broncos defense has had, considering that you know before this five game win streak, the Broncos defense had led up an NFL like nearly an NFL record of yeah. seventy points, seventy points, man, and touchdowns. It's the same defense. They just figured out what their identity was and, you know, they stuck to it. And what their identity was get pressure based off of their secondary coverage. And, you know, the reason why is because in their secondary, the top three corners, so the starting corners and the starting uh, slot cornerback are all in the top 15 in terms of percentile separation prevented versus target percentage. Basically, this bogs down to, uh, you know, they're amongst the top 15 cornerbacks amongst 120 cornerbacks where they are both the most targeted CBs and have given uh, the fewest amount of yards of separation. Mm. So they are in that top echelon and it's the their top three starting cornerbacks are all in the top 15. So another reference point, the Jets have their top three in the top 15 as well. DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner, and Michael Carter, uh, the second. Um, you know, the Texans have one, uh, two of them. Uh, the Bills have one. So this is, you know, a situation where the quarterbacks are throwing towards these corners and these corners are limiting the amount of... Um, uh, uh, of success that these uh, QBs have, especially these wide receivers have. Like, they, they are the definition of sticky coverage. Like, lockdown sticky coverage has been the motto for this Broncos secondary, especially Jaquan McMillan. A 2022 UDFA has quietly become the 14th ranked PFF cornerback amongst 120 qualified and Whoa. first in run defense grade amongst all cornerbacks. That's just insane. Yeah. So not only is he a good uh, cornerback in terms of pass coverage, he's also the best in terms of run defense and he needs one more TFL to break the Broncos season record by a cornerback, considering the level of cornerback play that the Broncos have had with, you know, Champ Bailey and all of these other oh, famous, the famous Broncos. Exactly. Champ Chris Bailey. Harris Jr., all these famous Broncos uh cornerbacks that have had Jaquan McMillan might keep Talib. Akeeb Talib. They might he might break their records of um the amount of TFLs in a single season by a cornerback for the Broncos. So franchise record. So that's on track for Jaquan McMillan. And like I mentioned in the Packers Chiefs preview, um, the Broncos and the Packers play pretty similar coverages. And that's because, you know, Joe Barry is part of that Vic Fangio defensive tree. Um, and, you know, 
Vance Joseph, I believe is from the same tree. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but like they play pretty similar defensive coverages and they play a lot of cover one, cover three usually, but against explosive offensive offenses like Kansas City, they've played a lot of cover two shell quarters coverage and blitzed only occasionally. Right. So both the both the Packers and the Broncos are top ten in terms of the amount of blitz that they do. Broncos are ninth, Packers are tenth. Actually, um, correction on that. He's not a big fan, Gio. He was assistant for like Mike Nolan, Mike Singletary, um, okay, Gary Kubiak, Marvin Lewis, Adam Gates. Gotcha. All, yeah, gotcha. So yeah, but regardless, they play pretty similar um, defensive schemes. Um, and in this case, uh, you know, for against the Chiefs, when they switched up their game plans and they played a lot of cover too they still were able to generate 50% pressure uh, rate on Kansas City on that offensive line. They were able to generate 18 pressures on 36 dropbacks, which is why they were able to hold the Chiefs offense to just nine points. So with that being said, I would expect something similar against CJ Stroud, who is seventh in EPA per dropback and first in EPA per dropback, where air yards is the biggest component. So you know, CJ Stroud loves to throw the ball, and he loves to throw uh, loves to throw the ball deep. So we you ex we should expect a lot of fun matchups uh, between this uh, Denver secondary and the Texans. Um, receivers especially tank dell versus jaquan mcmillan from the slot and ps2 versus nico collins on the oh, outside yeah. so those are going to be some exciting sticky matchups to watch uh just you know two you know four young guns going at each other um and it's 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 going to be exciting to watch that that's definitely to say the least but, but yeah for the broncos to win play a lot like you did for Kansas City for CJ Stroud to hold the ball and hopefully you can generate some more pressure and some more turnovers because hey CJ Stroud while being you know the savior for Houston Texans he is not infallible right he did have a three interception game which nearly costed um uh the Texans a game so you know with a more competent offense in the Denver Broncos they very much can, you know, come away with the vi uh, with a win here, and for you know, especially for the Broncos' offense, right? They have actually faced a top ten, um, a top ten strength of schedule. Actually, not even the top ten, the toughest schedule of defenses since Week Five for the Denver Broncos. If you look at you know the type of defenses that they face, especially the passing defense, they face the number one pass defense in the Cleveland Browns, the number three pass defense in the Jets, number four pass defense in the Kansas City Chiefs twice, the number ninth pass defense in Minnesota, the tenth pass defense in Buffalo, and the fifteenth pass ranked defense for Green Bay. So since the past eight weeks, they faced the toughest schedule of pass defenses for the Broncos offense. Whereas the Houston Texans have the 10th worst pass defense, despite playing the third easiest schedule of quarterbacks. So this is a quarter, according to Warren Sharp of Sharp, uh, Sharp Football. Um, so this is going to be, um, you know, the game for Russell Wilson to cook. 
Um, and you know, if uh, if they have the opportunity to um, slice up that uh, Texan secondary, then you know this might be a a, a sizable victory for the Broncos. Um, but it's not like the Texans are are incapable of pulling a victory here as well. For them to win, they have to feed the run game. And this, you know, not only does this control the clock, this also takes the pressure off of Stroud and forces the secondary to play closer into the box like you were talking about um, with the 49ers and the Eagles. If you force the Broncos secondary and front seven to play closer to the box, then that allows a deeper play-action game to get open for Tank Dell and Nico Collins. And Tank Dell, mind you, is one of the top deep threats this entire league. Like he, he he is one of the top deep threats in the entire league this season. So, you know, if you can establish this run game, especially against the Denver Broncos run defense that is 32nd in adjusted line yards, 32nd in running back yards allowed on average, 32nd in second level yards, and 32nd in open field yards. They're basically dead last in all three uh, sections of the defense in allowing rushing yards. The D line second level uh, linebacking play and third level secondary play like they are the worst team in terms of run defense so you know devin singletary and damian pierce this is the game for you uh this is the matchup for you to have a fantastic game um and so i expect the texans to get like 200 yards rushing on the offense on the offensive side and take some pressure off of CJ Stroud and and limit the amount of passing that they do. Like typically the the Texans are, you know, one of the most pass heavy teams in the league. I believe they pass 61% of the time, which if you look at the uh uh the the tendency matchup, that is near the top of the league. Um it's at 18th in the league, but you know, rushing wise, uh, they only do it about 38% of the time. So, you know, some of the better offenses in the league, like the Niners, the Ravens and the Eagles and the lions to an extent are all towards the bottom 10, um, in, in terms of passing versus rushing. So, you know, uh, they, the, the, this is the game for the Texans to focus on the running game, uh, you know, at the, uh, at the end of the day. So if they can do that, then they have a, a fantastic chance to win. And for me, I am going to predict the, I'm going to predict the Texans to win. I'm going to predict CJ Stroud to not have that great of a game, but I'm going to predict um, Devin Singletary to have 120 rushing yards. And they're going to win this game. It's going to be a, a lower scoring game, but it's going to still be a pretty exciting game to watch. I'm going to predict the Texans to win 27 to 23. Ooh. That's a good game. That'd be a good game. Mm hmm. All righty. Last but not least, Rakshak, who do you have? All right, with this, um, I have the Lions against the Saints. That's Ooh. right, Detroit. This is going to be a homecoming for Dan Campbell. He was 
Um, a part of the um the, the lines of the, the Saints offensive staff from 2016 to 2010 to 2020. While the Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn coached against this offense every day of practice over that same time frame. So what do you know? And um it, it's it's gonna be very it's a very interesting um interesting base this is and all that and with this um let's go with offense versus defense saints offense with the first part this is basically going i mean uh, this is going to be like the same type of scheme that the lot that um dan campbell has helped out with so in that case saints pass offense they are 22nd in the league they're going up against the lines pass defense who is 13th in the league um yeah it's all Derek carr and guess what if I'm the Lions, you have to be very of the hybrid players. I'm looking at you, Taysom Hill, because apparently not only can he throw the ball, he can line up, he could as a tight end and make stupid catches, and um, and of course he can play running back. It makes no sense. I I mean, like I want to like Taysom Hill, but I can't. He's just like irritating. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like that. He's like smack. I I, I want to try and stop you, but you're still why are you still living right mm -hmm. but um i mean like but uh, we all thought that the Derek carr to the saints was going to be well because he has that cannon arm and he's going to make those deep passes yeah um it's been off through a wobbly start they're bad and somehow they're tied with the falcons for the afc for the nfc north which is even more sadder um i mean they've been i mean uh, like let's say um they've been racking up they're like 11th in passing yards per game the they're 20 the saints are actually 22nd in yards per pass attempt 6.7 and 18 percent in passer rating and 21st in dropback epa i mean they're really good in pass protections they've they're 10th in sacks and they're 10th tied in sacks allowed but um, in pass blocking, they're 23rd in PFF's blocking grade um, and dead last in ESPN's pass block win rate. And apparently, the and apparently because of that discrepancy, um, the Saint. This is because the Saints get the ball out in a hurry, and Carr gets the ball out in an average of 2.67 seconds. And how and which is like which is good because he has this target. I mean. Of course, Derek Carr's favorite targets for the passing offense is definitely going to be um, Alvin Kamara, Chris Olave, Jamal Williams. Um, told when he was healthy, Rashid Shaid, A.T. Perry, Marquez Callaway, um, and Keith Kirkwood. And hell, even Taysom freaking Hill. My God, that guy can be, can't be so annoying. I, I'm not, I probably have, I think you may be seeing one of those rants on Taysom Hill pretty damn soon. <laughs> but um, I think like the bit, but I, I think like um, if I'm the Lions, you have to stop the run. I mean, your defense should be able to stop the run game. Um, I and I think like and with this, you have first. First of all, yeah, shut down the run, especially with Kamara and, um, and Jamal Williams. If you're able to do that, you're and you force Derek Carr to be a passing, to be a pa to be a passing QB with limited weapons. That would be your best bet for your past deep for the Lions' past defense. Um, don't you agree with this one? Like, yeah. 
you have if you if you could stop Kamara and Williams, you're you basically had fifty percent of your job done on the defensive side, and um, and, and of course like the Saints at rushing attack, like they are um they're tenth they're tenth in rushing by DVOA and eighth in DVOA's adjusted yard line, and they. They and apparently like Camaro will get like half of the team attempts, but they'll lean on the other facts. Like, I mean, if you look at that Falcons game, Camaro rushed for 69 yards, Williams had six yards, Wall Hill had 26 yards, and Bowen had and and their other running back, Bowden, he had like 40 yards and two carries. But if you saw Camaro and Williams, and 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 I think like there and and Vsol also has some breaking news. Um, that Saints speedy receiver and special teams player Rashid Shaid, he's going to be out for this game, and Chris Olave is questionable. So this is big. You, if you're making Derek Carr throw the ball, I think your pass rush like an Aiden Hutchinson, and um, oh exactly. boy, like your your top three receivers for Derek Carr are out potentially. Right, you have Michael Thomas who's on IR, Rashid yep. Shaid who's your, who's one of your two deep threats who's now out, and now Chris Olave is questionable. So the extent to his injury, we don't really know. And if he is out, you want to look at who they have as their uh, depth chart. They have um, – I mean, I'm looking at it right now. You have – I mean, Chris Olave is questionable. You have Lynn Bowden Jr. Okay. Um, Rashid Chide's out. Keith Kirkwood, A.T. Perry, Marquez Callaway. Then you have Jawan Johnston, Foster Moreau, Jimmy Graham, Taysom Hill. Yeah, that's you it. Are, uh, that, that, I think that, this might be like the Jamal Williams revenge game. This honestly. could be a Jamal. Oh yeah, because Jamal Williams, he was he was traded to the Detroit to the uh, to the um to the Saints for a draft pick, and in and in this in in the Lions um master class of drafting, they took. Jameer Gibbs, which has panned out pretty damn well. That that has shocked me, and I think with the and I think with Detroit's um defensive line and Aiden Hutchinson, Benito Jones, John, Jack, and hell even Jack Campbell and Aline McNeil, um and Malcolm Rodriguez, I think it's gonna be, I think they'll have a good. And I would trust Jerry Jacobs, Brian Branch, Kirby Joseph, and Cam Sutton, and Cameron Sutton over um this over the Saints passing attack honestly and the biggest and another a crazy stat that i noticed the Saints offense in the red zone they're only scoring on 42.5% of their red zone opportunities that is 29th in the NFL and i mean like with the lines if you're able to stop the red zone and you force them to go field goals that's going to be easy for them the lines will win this game hands down now we reverse the sides Saints defense versus the Lions offense Easiest thing that the Lions need to do. What do they need to do, Anand? Uh, run the football? Yeah. They're, I, I mean, I, I'm looking at this. The Lions are number fourth in rushing. And this is from Pride of Detroit, um, SB Nation's home for the Detroit Lions. I mean, you, David Montgomery and Jameer freaking Gibbs. Oh, my God. That attack is helping, is saving Jared Goff's life. So at the Lions offense, they're able to run the ball. That's freaking amazing. And according to DVOA, they're fourth best, they're the fourth best rushing offense, fourth best in yards per rushing attempt, 
and sixth best in to total rushing yards per game. And this is also the Saints' biggest weakness. They are bad against the run. There's 22nd rushing DVO, rushing defensive DVOA. They're 27th in yards allowed per rushing attempt, and 23rd in total rushing yards allowed per game. They're allowing 124 rushing yards, while the Lions are rushing almost like 136.9 yards per game. This is the point where I think like the Lions don't even need to pass the ball. They could just like run it through their throats. And and if you want to look at it, at how that how they need to do it, look at how the Falcons were able to run it through. They gashed them with Tyler Algeo, and then Arthur Smith in his brilliance finally uses Bijan Robinson. I think like Dan Campbell's like, yeah, I'm not gonna be the idiot like um the one in Atlanta. I'm just gonna straight run it through. Mm -hmm. And, and I think like that's going to be like the easiest thing, right? You don't even need to pass the ball. Just run it. That's all I can say. If you're the Lions, run the damn ball. And um, But I would keep an eye on Demario Davis. He is a good – he's a great linebacker for the, um, for the Saints. Um, he's had the seventh highest PFF grade among linebackers. Um, and his run blocking has been part of it. Six, he has had six tackles – his six tackles for loss are second in the team. But then again, I give it to the I give it to the Lions, and of course for the passing, the Lions passing offense, bruh. I mean the Saints. This is what the Saints defense has faced: Ryan Tannehill, Bryce Young, Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield, the Mac Jones Bailey Zappi version, C.J. Stroud, Trevor Lawrence, Gardner Minshew, Tyson Baghead, Josh Dobbs, and Desmond Ritter. This is so bad. The Saints defense is really stingy, but they faced bad quarterbacks. But then again, the Saints have done a good job in beating the bad teams. Uh, but I mean, like, can you get, can you stop Jared Goff in this game? Like New Orleans pressure percentage, bro, is fifth worst. They're 18.5%, 23rd in PFF's pass rushing grade. And they're dead last on ESPN's pass rush win rate. They only have 18 sacks this season. <laughs> And what's even more worse, if you look at their core, if you look at the Saints um, secondary, man, um, I'll, I'll be done with this. Marshawn Lattimore, he's on IR. You're going with rookies and Alante Taylor and Paulson Adebo. Adebo, and Adebo has been playing very well. He leads the team in, in interceptions, I believe, with four. But Marcus May, you know, their safety is out. And you're probably going to have Jonathan Abram, JT Gray, or Jordan Howard playing the side by side with Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. Dude, you know what I'm thinking if I'm the Lions? Other than running the ball through their throat, I go, I, I go with some tight end off. I, I would go with some some play action, baby. I target Almon Ross St. Brown. I go Josh Reynolds or Jameson Williams. And 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 hell, get a and I think Sam Laporta might get a get big game from this game, man. I don't I don't think I need to say any, I don't need, think I need to go any further onto this, man. I think the the Saints are going the Saints are gonna get destroyed by the Lions on this game. And I'm going with a safe pick. I think the Lions will win by two scores, thirty-five to fourteen. Wow, I, I, they cannot. I mean, like, I, I just don't think so. I just don't think it's gonna work. I just don't think they have it. Okay, okay. Well, in that case, that's gonna be it for us for this episode. A long one today, but very, very um, spirited conversation. That's for sure. Um, and if you guys have enjoyed this, please leave us a review at one of the four podcast platforms that we host this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or Pocket Cast, 
or send us an email at nflmasala at gmail.com, spelled as nflmasala at gmail.com. Or, Rakshak, what can they do? They can find us on our Instagram page. We, uh, that is all lowercase at nflmasala2022. That is at nflmasala2022. Or you can follow us on Twitter or X at the same handle at nflmasala2022. And now we're going to hit you with our signature outro. Go Pack Go. And fly, Eagles fly. Take care and have a great day.